Hello, and thank you for listening to episode 28 of 60 Minutes with. I'm Dave. It's that time of the month again when I'm joined by Chris and Ramrod for an entertainment show. And uh, this one's a little bit different than the previous ones uh, due to the fact that we talk well, it's 99.9% all about movies. Um, we've got a lot to say about them, hence we didn't talk about video games or television or music. You can probably tell that we had a lot uh, to say about movies from the running time of this episode. So, without further ado, sit back, relax and get comfortable for this month's entertainment show. Right, we're back again, another uh, entertainment show. So I reckon, I think it's about time you kicked off this one, Ramrod. Go on, go on, get us started. I was just putting my pants back on, hang on. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised you're wearing pants, that's quite unusual for you. I'll just take your mine off. (laughs) (laughs) I I had a hundred things to do then before we start, and I thought you were going to go, Chris can start, and I was going to go, yeah, go on, Chris. No, I could see you with your pants around your ankles, and I thought, I'll catch you out. For fuck's sake. Right, well, I've got a little victory to talk about to start off with. It's not entertainment related, it's real life related because I had a small victory this afternoon. You know when you're waiting at traffic lights, right? And you're the next one to go through. You're waiting for the green to come so you can go through and it's on like a very small street. So there's nowhere in and out. So anyway, all the cars are coming down this way and my light's about to go green, amber green, right? So the last few cars start following down the other way. Right, you know, a few cheeky ones cling on to the backlog, don't they? Even though the light's probably gone red ten minutes ago down their end. Yeah. They're still coming through. So anyway, my light goes green. So as the last car comes, I just about to emerge onto the other lane and there's a junction on the other side. And some fucking dickhead, some boy racer, he looked like a rat comes <laughs> straight towards me. And there was, you know, nowhere really for him to go. So had I have pulled out any quicker, you're talking fucking death race, full-on collision. So I had my window wound down. I was playing Bring Me The Horizon's new song, which is pretty thumping, right? He has to slow down right next to my window as he's going past me for me to shout, you fucking stupid prick, at the top of my lungs, right at his face as he went past. (laughs) All he could do was try and stick two fingers up at me, right? Because he must have shit himself. At the moment, another car was coming directly at him. You know on the films when you hear them put the brakes on really fucking hard, and it goes, like this. I thought his car was going to implode. He hit his brakes that hard. And and he stalled out. And it was just like such a punch-the-air moment for us, you know, normal, sensible drivers. And I got a fuck you pricking. So I just wanted to get out of my chest. <laughs> it's those little victories that make it all worthwhile, mate. You know what I mean? There's probably people out there going, I know what you mean, that grinds my gears. <laughs> so I, I had a bit of a Peter Finch network moment there for y'all. It's like, fuck everybody. <laughs> in relation to that, probably in relation to that as well, um, I'll start us off with a bit of a, a cross-format sort of conversation starter. Okay. Now, I got, an, I got some new tattoos coming up. I haven't been for a while. And I love me Marvel. I love me comic books. And there's a lot of it going around these days, isn't it? But if you want to go back all the way and be a purist, comic books weren't cool when we were kids. They were cool when you're a kid, but if you like reading them and you wanted to be with the in crowd, you were a geek or you were a nerd and all this. But not if you read The Punisher, right? The Punisher's a bad motherfucker and he always has been. So I wanted just to touch on The Punisher and his representation in, you know, the media, such as movies, video games even. Mm. So Punisher for me... I read him 
a lot when I was a kid. I was always a big Marvel fan. Um, Spider-Man was my big thing. Um, but the Punisher, I kept on going back to. He had some great, great comic books. One of my favourites was What If. Marvel did these one-shots called What If. And then one was If Venom Possessed the Punisher. And it's one of my greatest comic books ever. It's insane. But... Um, they found it quite hard, I think, to translate the Punisher really well into movies. Um, I think they've had three attempts now, haven't they? And uh, it's going to be the fourth one when uh, John Brenthorn takes over in Daredevil. Yeah, because Dolph was the first one, wasn't That's he? That's right, yeah. Dolph Lundgren. So we're going back to like 1989, and it was Mark Goldblatt, who's like the Oscar-winning editor of every action film you've probably ever seen in your life. He's directed this movie called The Punisher that came out, and uh, I remember getting it on video, and it was a fucking huge deal. Yeah. It's 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 a good film. It's good. I mean, like Biohazard released the song and used the excerpt from the movie on it, Punishment, you know, and all this, and it it was a great film, but I just don't think it nailed the Punisher. Obviously, you've got to look at the time this film was made. Oh, yeah. There was a big deal as well, wasn't there? Because Dolph dyed his hair black for it as well. That's true. This is, and and he, looked, he looked hot. I mean, he never oh, changed. He yeah. did. I didn't, there was some controversy, though, because he couldn't, they couldn't use the skull on his T-shirt or something like that. I'm sure there was something around that time. Because so, it was all a bit sort of like up in the air about it all. Off the top of my head, I'll, I'll be drinking, so I could be wrong. <laughs> oh no, this is good. Well, I'm I'm digging around for anything you want to throw in at any point here because I mean I'm really digging my memory with that first Punisher movie because I was like nine when it came out, so I just remember picking up on video, being very excited because it was you know, like Lewis Gossett Jr. was in it as the cop. There's always the cop that's trying to, you know, help him but stop him at the same time. And uh, he lived in the sewers. You know, he rode his motorbike around the sewers. And it was quite violent, as I recall. But I haven't watched it for so long. I'm trying to find a good copy of it. I think it's out on Blu-ray now anyway. Um, now, are you... I don't want to put, like, words into your mouth, mate, but I know we've talked, like, this week... Are you going to rewatch this because you've now got a history of liking films from years ago, wanting to watch them and being massively disappointed if you want to sort of embellish that for the listeners as well, well as what you watched recently? Yeah, well, I was going to actually come on to that. <laughs> okay, okay then, yeah, we'll but leave I, that hanging. That, that's to come then. I well, am going to have a rant. I own this on DVD. If you did want to borrow it, you can, you can borrow it. I think it was a German copy or something like that. I got off um, Amazon. So it's... Um, I like it as well. I remember watching it back in the day, and it, on, it used to be on Sky quite a lot. And I used to get a kick out of it. And it, it's got some decent action scenes in it. And yeah, I, I quite liked it. So yeah. is it is it violent and gory? Because I really remember little about it because I haven't seen it in so long. I don't remember it being gory, but it's it's pretty violent. I mean, there's lots of shootings and stuff, as you'd, as you'd imagine, because um, there's like the yakuza and. Um, yeah, because what's his name? I'm not sure he pronounced his name, but Jerome Crab or Crabber or whatever he's 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 been in lots of different films. Uh, yeah. He's in it as well. So I think it was shot in Australia as well. A lot of it, if not all of it. Bloody hell, yeah. I didn't know that actually. So you're educating me now on this because I know fuck all about this whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, did it touch on like his like his pet like his his family and the murders and being in a flashback. Vietnam veteran? No, just in flashback, uh, you see him sort of run home, and then it gets his home gets blown up from memory, and ah, uh, right. and then he it, it's got a good opening. I like the start where he takes out like a house full of kind of um, 
Italian gangsters and you don't really see him. You just see him taking them out. So it's a bit like Leon, you know, at the start of Leon where you don't you see him going in, into the building. Then it's just you see the people die, you know, by being strangled and, and all sorts of stuff like that. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I like it. It's not amazing. Don't get me wrong. But just for a sort of a, a it's, bit it's like a film of the time, I suppose. Yeah, it, yeah. It it doesn't nail the Punisher though, and I think like at the time when it's Marvel and DC and all these weren't you know bankable, were they? They weren't making these movies. I think we had like the Captain America movie, which was fucking atrocious. The Fantastic Four, when I think Roger Corman did that, didn't it? And it never really saw the light of day, and. You know, I think Batman had had maybe just come out, or this—that was the beginning of it all, wasn't it? So, like, to pick the Punisher as Marvel's jumping-off point was probably the worst idea ever because it's so like audience unfriendly, <laughs> you know, because it's horrific. You know, I mean, Frank Castle's a fucking special forces Vietnam veteran whose family's murdered in Central Park, and then he goes around, you know kicking the ass like the equalizer of anybody that's done wrong and you know they want to make a successful movie out of it it's not happening so then we come forward like a long time to when they had another shot at it and then this is again after they've sam raimi's brought out spider-man etc um you've got thomas jane takes up punisher now this was i loved when it came out you know, it's. I think it was Jonathan Hensley wrote and directed it, and he's good. He does write good action pieces in. But again, having watched all these movies again in sequence, I don't feel it's the Punisher it could be. Mm. He, for me, I don't know. He's a good actor, but I don't feel like he's Frank Castle. I, I don't believe he's this. Well, they play him as an Iraqi war veteran because they're bringing it up to date, aren't they? And you can't really substitute. No offense to anybody that served, that's listening, but you can't really substitute a past of a man that's been in Vietnam for you know. I've just come back from Iraq, and you know, my family are murdered around a barbecue. It's very different. I don't didn't really get it. I like Roy Scheider in it. I think he played his dad, didn't he, in it? And that yeah. was a nice little role. But again, it, it played with the source material too much. So by the time he becomes the Punisher, there's so much build-up to it. And it's more about, I think it's Howard Saint, isn't it? It's uh, John Travolta's the bad guy in it. Yeah. And again, I, I was like, oh, I just felt a bit flat watching it. I don't, How do you guys yeah, feel about that one? I, I totally agree. It's It's almost like... I like Thomas Jane a lot. I do. I think he's he's a cracking actor. Uh, is it Stander that that film? Oh yeah, that's a, that's Africa. a good movie. Yeah. Yeah, he's sort of like I think it's like set in South Africa, and he was a cop, and he went on to be a bank robber. And um, but yeah, it, there's a there's some good scenes in it. I like. There's a fight with. Um, Oh, it's fucking, it's Diesel. from Kevin uh, Nash, isn't it? Kevin Nash, there yeah. you go, uh, which is awesome. That's really good, and there's some decent stuff in there, but overall, I, yeah, like you said, it just felt like kind of almost going through the motions a little bit. Um, John Travolta was way off the mark, I think. <laughs> it just didn't do it anything for me at all in that film. But um, it also like setting it up for something else as well, which never came. Well, it kind of did, but without Thomas Jane, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they, um, I mean, like I say, when it came out, it, again, it was this was the big budget thing. They even changed the Punisher symbol for it, which kind of now stands as the standard Punisher skull, even though it's not the original one. And I really fucks me off because it's not the same Punisher skull that he wears in the comic books. But it's like everybody relates that to the Punisher, but it's not. It's like Garth Ennis's proper Punisher, Punisher. But um, it was a good movie, but it wasn't 
the Punisher film I wanted. Um, it 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 like weird from like real serious hard drama to like like that fight with um, Kevin Nash who's dressed up like Tugboat from the fucking Natural Disasters. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking bizarre. And then there's that Johnny Cash sort of uh, hitman that turns up playing uh, country and western music or blues music that tries to shoot him and it was very very odd and then you've got John Travolta being overweight and John Travolta and it's it's again not Frank Castle but they did do um I think the guy's name was Philip Jonah who directed um State of Grace um did a short now I don't know if anybody's ever seen this it's on YouTube and I think it's called Dirty Laundry and it was made a couple of years after um, Thomas Jane played Punisher and he reprised his role for this like 10 minute short where he's going down to his local laundrette and he has to kick ass down there um, has anybody seen this? I haven't no. no, no, I don't think I have either please watch it because before I talk about the next movie this would have been the way to go with the Punisher very, very violent a bit more tongue in cheek and you know, more brutal mm. more to the point you know, we don't need his backstory every five minutes. The same with Spider-Man movies. I fucking know who Spider-Man is and how he became Spider-Man. Don't tell me a hundred fucking times about it, because I know I've read the comic book. And this is what they did with Dirty Laundry. They just threw this little fan short out. And, it, you know, it's not got a lot of money behind it, but this was nice. This was what you wanted to see. And then in, I think it was... What year was it? It came out 2009, maybe 2010. Um, Ray Stevenson played him, our own Ray Stevenson, who's a great actor, a big muscular behemoth of a man, um, played Frank Castle in Punisher Warzone. Now, this is the film I wanted to come to because I watch this quite a lot. <laughs> this is one of those fucking movies that's been, it's over-stylized, it's very comic book, it's so fucking violent. It's like the raid. I mean, if gareth evans wants to hold his hands up and say that he watched punisher wars on a lot before he made the raid i think a lot of people wouldn't be surprised yeah because literally the end of the movie as well is frank castle storming a building taking out everybody to get to the main guy so if that's not the raid i don't know what is <laughs> and on his way up he fucking oh just destroys people's faces with shotguns it's got a great scene in it i don't i mean I, stop me if you want to jump in here but this is a great scene colin colin salmon um plays the cop again who's trying to stop frank from being this bad guy and uh, they get one of the main bad guys in in a house and colin salmon's about to arrest him does anybody remember this scene what happens oh yeah because we've watched it a couple of times together <laughs> i know that as well it just fucking kills me though oh, he, yeah that guy's sitting there and Colin Salmon's like taking his name and address down and Frank Cassidy literally blows his face off with a shotgun <laughs> <laughs> and all Colin Salmon can do is go for fuck's sake <laughs> and he just walks out <laughs> like, that's what I do I'm the puni I'm the fucking punisher yeah I'm a broken man and I'm going to shoot everybody and break their neck. I mean, he does this one move on this guy where he impales him on a fence and then does a, like a drop knee from above him on his neck to break his neck. I mean, you don't get that in movies anymore. What the fuck? This film should be held up really high for action fans and gore fans. It was directed by a bird. <laughs> The fucking woman that directed Green Street directed it, which is ridiculous. But she, I think she's got a stunt coordinator background or she's a stunt woman, something like that. But fuck me, can that girl make an action movie? And she's really hot. So it's just a win-win-win. <laughs> 
So yeah, so I'm I'm just championing the, the Punisher Wars on there as if you want some good Punisher action, you watch Ray Stevenson in there because he is just the man. Yeah, seconded, seconded there, mate. Yeah, great movie. I saw that at the cinema, and um, yeah, and it's got Dominic West in it as well. Which he's he's excellent. He's jigsaw in it. He's crazy. He's bonkers, man. I mean, <laughs> the way he turns into jigsaw is he's putting like a glass crusher and span around till his face gets ripped off. That's what I want to see. <laughs> so yeah, Punisher Warzone is the fucking movie. And then jumping forward to this year. Or maybe next year when Daredevil, which I still am yet to see. I'm very sorry, Chris, but I've heard so many good things, mm. not just off you, but off friends as well. I need to see this because now John Bernthal's coming into it. And if anybody doesn't know his work previously, he is the best thing in the Wolf of Wall Street, apart from Leonardo DiCaprio. He was Shane in The Fucking Walking Dead. What more do you need to know? That guy is going to act the shit out of this role. Um, he's perfect casting to play Frank Castle. And from what I've heard of Daredevil, it's going to be pretty kick-ass as well. Yeah. And he's going to be able to fuck a lot of people up. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for that. And I also wanted to just touch on the Punisher video game as well. Now, I apart from Manhunt, I can't remember another game where I got to push somebody's face into boiling acid or whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> what a game! I mean, it wasn't, you know, it was no Skyrim, but fucking hell, talk about fun. You know, if you weren't just hammering through rooms, blowing people away with your dual M16s, you got torture scenes where you could just lean the little joystick one way or another to push somebody's head more onto a burning flame or something. It was fucking insane. How the hell did they get games like that released? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm championing the Punisher video game also for good, gory fun. Nice one. Yeah, there was the Punisher arcade as well, which was like a bit of Final Final Fight, but um, and it had Nick Fury as because it was two player. Um, but who's gonna fi- pick fucking Nick Fury when you got the Punisher? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're not gonna do that. So but the yeah. American people might, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'm not gonna say anymore. But yeah, very very horrifically violent is the Punisher, and uh, I think you know it's it's hard to keep him back to source material because if he is a Vietnam veteran, the motherfucker would be like eighty now, wouldn't he? You know he's not punishing anybody now, is he? <laughs> the only punishing that's happening is when he tries to have a piss. <laughs> <laughs> that's the drawback with the Punisher. But if they move him forward, they move him with the times, they keep him fresh, keep him interesting, support your local Punisher, get some Garth Ennis Punisher graphic novels read some real deep serious shit and uh, enjoy gory movies yeah that's what I wanted to get out there I just wanted to start off with some Punisher I just I need to purge it I'm getting a big tattoo done in a couple of weeks I get the Punisher skull so I thought it's about time we, I told everybody how much I fucking wank off over Frank Castle <laughs> so you're going to get the proper Punisher skull yeah not yeah, this yeah. stupid new skull that came out with the Thomas Jane I want the old school big fat nasty looking skull i was thinking about getting it on my thigh but after my girlfriend had eight hour tattooing on her thigh and she nearly killed herself i may get it somewhere else and smaller (laughs) (laughs) i may be bitching out from this one (laughs) i don't blame you mate thanks dave but i'll show you when i get it wherever i get it baby i'll show you yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) i'll show you but i'll uh oh go on sorry chris i was gonna say have you uh you could have it on your ass cheek have you, I've got to ask, actually, have you got any tattoos on your backside? Well, no, funnily enough. <laughs> yeah, he's got one that just says, enter here. <laughs> oh, it's the one Pritchard's got on Sanchez. Yeah. Coach party's welcome. <laughs> <laughs> 
is the best one ever. Do you know what? I really don't fancy it because as I'm getting on a bit, and I'm only 35 now, but my body hurts a little bit more than it used to when I was like 20 odd. It's like when you're a baby, you fall over and you get up and you're fine. But now it's like, ah, well, that hurts. I've had a few on my back, but I don't know, my ass or my widge. I don't know. <laughs> what would you have if you had to have a tattoo on your widge? What would it be? Well, I saw a great one on this TV show the other day where he had like a zombie tattooed like on it, on the bottom of his abdomen and his dick was tattooed like a zombie's finger, like it was a finger. It was really odd, you know, because we've all seen the elephant's trunk one. Yeah. I mean, I could easily have anaconda tattooed <laughs> on the leg from mine. Could, but most men would say that, wouldn't they? <laughs> But um, I don't know. I don't know what I'd be so. Thing is, my tattooist is a girl, and I should probably be listening to this. And yeah. you know, I, I I see her as a good friend, and I would feel really awkward, you know, her holding my appendage in her hand. Well, you know, she. Do you have to get an erection when you get your dick tattooed? <laughs> it's gonna look weird when you get it tattooed soft, yeah. and you get a hard on. It's gonna. All Either go way, it's gonna forward. change, isn't it? No matter which way you do it, it's gonna change. Well, I'm definitely I'm a grower, not a shower. I've been told so. <laughs> but I same, feel, same you know, here. you know what I'm saying, Chris? Because <laughs> it is like the incredible honk, though. Because I will go from puny banner to honk smash, and let me tell you, it is fucking honk smash as well. <laughs> I feel dead awkward in front of her though, because she's a lovely girl, and it'd be like, oh, I'm getting my penis tattooed today. I can just imagine her fucking face, like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> She'd wear two pairs of gloves that day, mate, to do it, that's for sure. Yeah, there'd be an audience that day, are you joking? <laughs> Could sell tickets. <laughs> uh, I fucking would sell tickets, but no willy tattoos for me. No, I think I, th- I think if I've got the balls for it, I'm going to go on my thigh, but maybe on a bit of my arm, um, whatever bit I've got left. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go for it. I'm going all Punisher out, I'm going for it. I've got a Deadpool tattoo already, and uh, some chucking the Punisher on there, because I like fucking badasses, you know, this is what I want. Oh, this Deadpool movie's going to be grim as fuck. I can't wait. It's going to be gory and stupid. It's like The Mask. You ever read The Mask? You would never have seen the comic book of The Mask, any of you probably, would you? Because Jim Carrey's movie does not touch on any of what it really was. It was one of the most horrifically violent things ever. Because once he puts the mask on in the comic book, he just goes on a spree, robbing, killing, doing whatever he wants. Had they made that movie, oof, been a different thing. Imagine Jim Carrey, you know, mass murdering. <laughs> That's the role he should he should have had. Well, it's it's funny you mention that because he 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 was murdering in the film one of the films I've been watching, um, which later on he disowned. Um, ooh, ooh. For, for, well, so well, I'll just jump in. So, yeah, yeah. Get it. on it. Okay, so I watched Kickass Two because it was on Netflix. So uh, the story goes, obviously, Kickass One. It's the follow up. Um, I don't want to spoil too much about Kick-Ass 1 if people haven't seen it, but watch it, it's very, very good. Um, but this is one that's kind of, it came out and it didn't do particularly well because I don't think that, well, Matthew Vaughan wasn't directing it and Jane Goldman wasn't attached to it either, I don't think. So it's kind of like, you know, you've got the core sort of people who pushed the first one, you know, uh, and and made that what it was and they're not attached to this one. So it kind of... 
it, it, there's something a bit missing from it. But anyway, I enjoyed it. And the story goes is now that Hit Girl is growing up. She's in high school and uh, she kind of like wants to still be a bit of a, a badass. But she's sort of like, you know, her guardian now who promised her dad that she was going to he was going to look after her and make sure that, you know, she didn't get hurt or get into trouble or whatever. So he's kind of like pushing her into the high school stuff. So she's struggling with all of that sort of thing, you know, with the in crowd and high school bollocks. And then you've got... Um, uh, kick ass obviously and it's kind of like now there's a, a his popularity spawning more sort of these costumed heroes going out and becoming vigilantes and, and whatever um and then you've got um uh the the bad guy in it he's now he, he was the red mist i think he was called in the first one uh, and uh, what's he called in this now? He's banned. He's, I'm going to have to say, well, you can, I won't say it because I know you have to bleep it out, Dave, but they I are. I know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually, I've forgotten. I've got a vague idea what it is, but can you remember what they're called? It, well, uh, I, are we talking about uh, McLovin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's got a gang now. He sets up. So he wants to be the bad guy. He resents Kickass for you know what he did in the first film, and uh, you know he's setting up this gang now of, of kind of like mean bastards who sort of go on the rampage and and want to t- take out Kickass and his sort of like group of of heroes and such and stuff like that. But he calls them something now. But I can, I've, it's kind of like I've forgotten the specific name. What he calls them. <laughs> But it begins with C. Yeah. And you can ends... say it, man. I, I've I've now given up on ed- doing Eddie. Any any, any <laughs> Eddie. editing, any editing of well, of any words. Now I've just given up on it. So I am going to have to find out exactly what he says. But it's basically, you know, we are the bad cunts, or what? You know, it's kind of like that. <laughs> Wasn't his name in the first one the motherfucker? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's what he calls himself in this one. He's like the I am the motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fucking genius. It's brilliant. I mean, it is funny. It is good in place. So this is the thing, right? Because this film, like I say, I don't say it got panned, but it, I mean, like, I don't know if you listen to Mark Hermode. I've stopped because he started to wind me up. But I did used to listen to him and stuff like that. But he put this in one of his top 10 worst films um, of the year when it came out. I think it was 2013. And having watched it, I'm like, his sort of like reasons for putting it in one of the worst films of the year was because it was just so disappointing you know because it didn't have the spark of the first one whereas i mean i watched it and i actually liked it i thought it was fun you know didn't take itself too seriously and it got jim carrey in it and now jim carrey is kind of like it is a cameo role i suppose if you put his whole screen time for the whole movie it's maybe 15 20 minutes um and i think he plays a guy called captain stars and stripes and he's got this dog and his dog bites people's balls and dicks and stuff like that um (laughs) And he's got the baseball bat and he shoots... Well, he doesn't actually shoot people, but he's got a gun and all that stuff. Anyway, so he he's okay. And I think the reason why he disowned it, from what I understand, is that shortly after or around the time the film was being released was there was that horrible, horrific shooting in America. Um, and it, it's kind of like he was saying, well, you know, violent films and whatever, they're bad, so I'm going to... Sort of like walk away from this a little bit, um, which po- possibly contributed to the film not doing particularly well, but whatever. Anyway, I enjoyed it. But then afterwards, I mean, this week, I- I've watched such an amazing range of films. It's like, it's, it, you know, it shouldn't happen. Of all the films I've watched, you know, it's, we love cinema, we love film, we, we love, you know, video games, we love entertainment, sort of like, but, 
you know, particularly films, uh, as I said, they're on par with video games for me, maybe even a little bit more from, in terms of how much I love them. But it's almost like the stuff I've watched has kind of just made me fall in love with films all over again. You know, it's just like there's so much good stuff out there. It's it's unbelievable. Um, so this week, as what like to sort of like the link between this and Kickass, I, I watched Kingsman: The Secret Service. Now, fucking hell, that it, it is just an amazing film. I mean, it's so this is the, now I've watched Kickass too, and I liked it. And, you know, I don't think it's as good as the first one, but I liked it. It was entertaining. You can see now what was missing from Kick-Ass 2, and it's Jane Goldman and Matthew Vaughan, because what they did with Kingsman is just, it's there. It's it's on screen. It's one of the most sort of, like, kinetic films I think I've seen in, in a long time. There's a scene in Kingsman, I'll explain kind of like the plot, and I think you've done it a few episodes ago, but just go into it a little bit more. There's a scene where... Uh, Colin Firth, who you would not think in a million years would be this kind of like action hero type guy, you know, who would stab and shoot and kill people and do martial arts and all sorts. And he's in a church and Free Bird by Leonard Skinner is playing. And it's one of the most amazing scenes I think I've ever seen. Am I wrong? You know, tell me what you guys... Oh, no, that is by far one of the best uh, scenes in cinema for a hell of a long time as far as I'm concerned it's mental isn't it it's yeah. all one shot as well isn't it I think I don't think it cuts much does it and it and the CGI used in it is that's how I like my CGI where you don't really notice it because it's just keeping the scene flowing but it was so fucking excitingly brilliant and violent as shit yeah. how the fuck is that film not an 18 <laughs> <laughs> Never seen anything like it. Those films used to get butchered in the 80s for violence like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be cut to pieces back then. Oh, man, it would have been ruined. But that scene, I agree, Chris. It was like, I'm sitting there just like, stupid little smile on my face. Like, this is what I pay my money for. <laughs> it, it's just pure entertainment. It it really is. And I'd totally, I'd highly recommend people watch this film. Everybody's great in it. You know, it, it's got a really great cast. Um, obviously, Colin Firth, I've mentioned. I, I, re- I do like Colin Firth. You know, he's kind of, I, again, a film I wouldn't particularly, I, I'd heard loads of good things about it. But, you know, and it's one of those that I thought, well, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it'll be good. But I, I wasn't expecting to enjoy it as much as I was. The King's Speech. I don't know if you guys have seen that. But yeah. Yeah. I really like that, and I think Colin Firth is great in it. But just seeing him in this type of film, he's just... Yeah, you can't get, I can't also get my head around it a little bit, because he's kind of like, you know, the stiff upper lip kind of Brit, and, you know, but it, seeing him kicking ass. I mean, there's, there's a bit at the start where he's in a pub, and, you know, he beats the shit out of a load of scrotes. And it's just... Oh, it's fucking nice. You've got Mark Strong in it, who's a mainstay of sort of like, you know... Um, Matthew Vaughan. Matthew Vaughan's brilliant as well. You know, he's he's made some really cracking films. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a sort of story of like this kind of. It's a bit. It's like James Bond. I think you described it best, uh, Ramrod. Like you know, if Tarantino was going to do like a James Bond type style movie, mm-hmm. this would be it. You know, it's you know you've got this kind of like um, uh, yob lad kind of thing who's. Um, whose dad was part of this secret service type, and uh, then you know he's getting in trouble with the police, and then he he gets he phones up the the agency, and then he starts training, and 
it, it's so good. It really is so exciting. It's on for two hours and eight minutes or something stupid like that. And it's just like, it just flew by. And you've got Samuel L. Jackson, who's brilliant in it, you know, who's funny and exciting. There's the girl who's um, got like kind of these uh, blades for feet, who's just kick ass as well. It's brilliant. It's so much, such good fun. It really is. Um, and that's what I'm saying. It's kind of like that's what was missing from kick ass too, you know, um, not having now seen this. So, what's, but, what's the thing with Kick-Ass 2 then? Because you said Jim Carrey like, disowned it or something. Yeah, at the time, the, it was that primary school in America and there was a, that somebody went in and, and it was a mass shooting and it was awful, you know, it really was. And uh, it, he came out, like I said, sort of around that time and he just dis, sort of oh, right. disowned himself from the film and said, I don't want anything to do with Kick-Ass 2. Because is, of, is he gun- violent in it? Does he kill a load yeah. of people in it? Oh, he beats the shit out of people, yeah. Oh, and he's, right. um, he's got a gun and, you know, it, although it's not necessarily loaded, um, it, you know, it's it's there, yeah, it is, do you know what yeah, I mean? There, and it's there. just the violence in the film. There is a fair bit of violence, as you'd imagine, but it's kind of comic book violence. I mean, there's no, there's no more... I mean, there's more shooting and stuff like that in King's... Um, King's is it King's? Oh fucking hell! Yeah, I've Kingsman. been drinking. Kingsman, yeah. <laughs> stop blaming the drink. Sorry, can't keep blaming the drink. This is and... what happens. You'll be on the street. Your wife will be standing over you, going, "What the fuck happened to you?" Go, I've been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault. Don't um, let it start here, Chris. But uh, and and as well, just as soon as I mentioned Jane Goldman, and it, I mean, oh, she's, she's fucking. She's hot, got man. amazing tits. She's. <laughs> Jonathan Sorry. Ross, Jonathan Ross, like, I know he's a great guy and he's a great talent, but he really landed on his feet with her because she's really hot, she supplied him with children, and she's the greatest movie comic book writer we've got going at the moment, isn't she? I mean, can you imagine the fucking nights in they must have? It must be brilliant. Oh, and I guess they, he's a big uh, comic fan as well, isn't he? You know, so, uh, but yeah, she's, oh, can you, you can imagine she's quite dirty as well, can't you? But... <laughs> she, yeah. <laughs> I don't know though. She might be a bit. She might be one of those girls. that's like you know, a lot of people want me. Nobody's gonna have me. Not even you. Husband. <laughs> You're married, Chris. You know what it's like. This is true. This is true. I but... I got my girlfriend like a fucking ratty dog on my leg half the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even famous yet. Oh gosh! But King. I, I loved it. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. But I was, ten out sorry. of ten, Kingsman. It's awesome. Yeah. It is wicked. Absolutely brilliant. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I know, sorry I interrupted, but there was a link, yeah. see? I yeah, like links. It's good. Link, that. Yeah, we sounded almost professional doing it that way. I know. Yeah, we, we could have gotten <laughs> away with it. <laughs> there was a moment of flowing there, there wasn't was, there? There was, that suddenly ground to a halt right now. Because <laughs> I, I just came out with, I like the Punisher, and then <laughs> it's your go. <laughs> fuck's sake. See, I could have gone from my Punisher into my other little movie because there was a link there. But Chris is the king of the link now. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's done it. No, it's perfect because, no, King, I think with Matthew Vaughan, it's odd because wasn't he just like Guy Ritchie's producer? And then all of a sudden he was like a better director than Guy Ritchie. Yeah. It's really I think, odd. I think at one point he was going to be, att- he was attached to The Man From Uncle. Um, but because I'm sure Guy Ritchie's gone on to direct now, which I'm interested in because I used to love The Man from Uncle, even though it was from like the 60s and 70s, you know, and I wasn't even born then. But I, it was just one of those I used to watch because like there was um, In Light Flint, uh, Matt Helm. Yeah. Uh, um, what else was there? The Man from Uncle. I used to love that, uh, you know, kind of um, Ilya Kuryakin and. Uh, Napoleon Solo I used to love all that sort of stuff. So it's I'm interested in it, but it's I don't know if it's done as I mean you know I like Matthew like stuff. I, 
fan, um, what was he? He did um, X Men, didn't he? Which uh, first class, which I liked. Uh, Kingsman, awesome. yeah, Kick Ass. I haven't seen Stardust. I have got it. Layer Cake's a fucking awesome film as well. Really like that. Um, Stardust is ace. I think you know if Guy Ritchie's name is on something, Matthew Vaughn on it. I'd rather go and watch a Matthew Vaughn movie because I know I'm going to get a more of a thrill ride because Guy Ritchie's sort of doing a bit of an Oliver Stone and he's reining it in a little bit. And I quite liked his mad kinetic filmmaking style. But like the Sherlock Holmes movies, although they were well made, they're not as much fun as they should have been because um, he's he's gone a bit too. Oh, flat with his direction. Matthew Vaughan is like that. I mean, that fucking scene in Kick Ass, the first one, where Nicolas Cage, who is just essentially Batman, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Like, goes through that building stabbing people. Uh, and then the scene in Kingsman in the church, it's like he he gets movie making in, in more of a fun way. And he keeps you entertained more than, like, Guy Ritchie. Like, Rock and Roll was a great film. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. It had good little. Little flair here and there with the way he shoots with different shutter speeds and stuff like that. But I think Matthew Vaughan just Matthew Vaughan overall is just like more fun to watch. And if his name's on something, I'm going to get a bit more excited. And of course, if Jane Goldman's writing it, mm. she gets it so well. She just gets it so well. And maybe it's just like a British sensibility, and they work really well together. That they know the audience is better as well because like the character, the young lad, uh, I can't remember his name in Kingsman, the the Chav lad. He was he was fucking brilliant in it and I, he's never done much really before that but i got his emotion and like the you know is he like as a shitty stepdad and all that and that football hooligan thing it was so british yeah that you really related to it now i think they're a great pairing a great pair as well <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> brilliant but i think um he's he's in talks to do flash gordon matthew vaughan oh, i'd be amazing so that'd be cool it would be amazing. Who would play Flash Gordon now, though? Oh, yeah. I love. See, that's another film from from the eighties. I'm going to talk about more eighties films later on. With when I talk about um, the Canon direct. Uh, di- fucking hell! Fucking alcohol does it's not. It's a drink. <laughs> I've only had two and one and a half pints. Come on, George. Get some more down you. You'll be fine <laughs> no. then. You're sort of in that middle ground where you need to drink more now, Chris. The, yeah, that Canon documentary, which is awesome. You know, full of eighties goodness and everything. I love um, Flash Gordon, the movie, the, the, the original. Well, yeah, you know, there's a TV series before that, but you know, there's sort of like Sam Jones one. It's it's so dirty. I used to. <laughs> It is, though, isn't it? I mean, oh, man, I used to love uh, Ming's daughter. She's so fucking <laughs> Ming's hot. It's a good job Tina's not here because all we'd hear is, Timmy, Timmy, Timothy Dalton. <laughs> I bet you money she'll listen to this and she'll be thinking, mention Timothy Dalton and, and his bonge or something. <laughs> so there's one for you there, Tina. <laughs> Timothy Dalton. Do you remember Peter Duncan from Blue Peter? Yes, he gets... Stung by what that yeah. tree monster or whatever it is. It's what you get, mate, for being on the fucking BBC. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good film, that. I like Flash God. It's fun. It's fun. It's well done. Sam Jones is a fucking rock star, though, isn't he? Oh, he's great. Yeah. He's a rock star. Come on, Dave. Jogo. Is it? Oh, okay, Interject. Then. Keep the flow going. I'm enjoying just sitting here listening. It's great. You lazy bastard. <laughs> You're not on your other fucking show now. <laughs> I, was I could just sit here and say you nothing. Participate. You've got to do something here. Come on, we're vibrant young men, me and fucking Chris. Oh, how the hell am I supposed to keep up with you two <laughs> at my age? All right, imagine we're all at a gangbang now. And me and Chris, <laughs> we're into our flow. You've got to try and work your way in somehow, Dave. 
Her mouth is open. What are you gonna do? Well, I'm going to step in with um with a little bit of Monami, um, a low budget indie film from 2012, which for some strange reason over here on DVD I picked it up. It was one of those like cheapies from CEX. I picked it up. Actually, here you go. I I really went way over budget on CEX because normally like a quid is my spending limit. This was three quid. So it just goes to show, yeah, I know, it just goes to show, like, the synopsis on the back, you know, how much it intrigued me. Um, yeah, and it's um, it was written and directed by a guy called Rob Grant. Now, this was uh, his only his second film that he directed. Uh, and it is, like I said earlier, yeah, it's look low budget. Doesn't look it, though. It looks, like, sumptuous. It looks fucking brilliant, the way it's lit, the way it's shot. It looks really, really good. But then you look, he's got like a, a good career um, as an editor. So he's edited on the likes of um, like the A-Team movie, the Twilight movies, Cabin in the Woods, um, ooh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, is the editor, is assistant editor on the new Point Break movie. So he's worked on like big budget movies, you know, so he's, he knows his way around them. Um, and the story, that it's a simple story. It's like two guys that are working in a place uh, like B&Q over here, you know, just like a, a Home Depot kind of store. And they're pissed off with the life that they've got and, the, you know, the work that they're doing. So they come up with this get-rich-quick plan and they kidnap the boss's daughter and, like, try and hold him to ransom, um, which ends up with things like them chopping off her little finger and posting it to him. It's, it, I was a bit disappointed because the cover sort of really sort of oversells in a way that it's like this this gore it's oh it's so gory and, and all of this and there is gore and there's blood in it uh, but the way it's filmed it's not you know it's not like hostile or anything like that it's all done very tongue-in-cheek but there's not a lot of it on screen and you know most of it is implied um but it was really good it was one of those that i i knew nothing about whatsoever chanced three quid on it and glad i did you know, so I mean, I know like Frenemies is a bit, of, a bit of a shit title for it, but if you see it uh, over here in the UK, that's what you need to look for. Or I'm guessing if you're abroad anywhere, uh, it's going to be under the original title of Monami. Um, I take it neither of you have have seen this one. No, no. But you've just saved me three quid there, Dave, because I'll borrow it off you. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I'm sure you'll enjoy it, mate. You will enjoy it. Is um, it a French film or is it? No, no, no. It's not a French film. It's. Uh, I'm presu- I'm just taking a wild guess. I'm presuming it's. I could be Canadian, so maybe French Canadian. Okay. Yeah, that could be why it's called Monami. Mm. When you said Monami, I thought, oh no, it's going to be some fucking dilly dallying 1960s bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Monami with fucking like before sunrise or something yeah. like that. No, it's uh, I I've I've had a look at the box there sitting there, and I have picked it up in the in the shop before because there was another film that intrigued me that I don't think anybody saw, and it was like Mike Judge did it. You know, he did Office Space, and it's yeah. like a bit of a cult thing now in America mostly. And he did another one called Idiocracy, and it was one of them films I picked up and looked at it. It was like mm, nah, and I watched it, and it was like one of the best films I'd seen that year. And it's weird, isn't it, when you pick up a little gem like that? Yeah. It's nice, nice to discover little things because I've, nev- yeah. I've never heard of this frenemies or mono fucking me. I've never heard of it. No, it is <laughs> nice to come across one of these. And Chris, you'll like this because um, one of the two guys that works in like this Home Depot type place, his handheld console of choice. Remember, it's like modern day, and mm. he's playing it. He's got a Game Gear, a Sega Game Gear. That he oh plays. my god! Yes, that's a nice little touch. When it came on screen, I said to Tina, "Oh my god, that's a Game Gear that he's playing." Uh, one film though, one film I know. 
Um, you've seen it, Ramrod, because we watched it together one night. Um, <gasps> it's great. It's a documentary. I do like my documentaries. Um, and, and just going quickly back to the last episode we did together and the um, September the 11th, the new Pearl Harbor. I know 4D, Chris, your co-host from uh, the same coin, he sat and watched that. And he was tweeting like mad how much he loved it. And he was just like, he was getting so annoyed while he was watching it. Why, why doesn't all this, you know, why didn't all these, aren't all these facts out there? Um, so this, I know 4D, whenever you get to listen to this, you're gonna, you need to watch this documentary as well. Uh, it's called Overnight. So, um, you remember? It's it? fucking awesome. <laughs> it's a documentary about the rise and fall Um, of a guy called Troy Duffy, who was a bartender at the time, uh, sort of come filmmaker. He wrote a script for The Boondock Saints. You must have heard of that, Chris, the movie The Boondock Mm, Saints. Yeah, yeah. he he did that. Uh, And he was picked up by Miramax, um, Harvey Weinstein. And this was at the time, you know, when like Pulp Fiction and all this was being big and, you know, independent movies. Suddenly all the big studios were trying to find the next Quentin Tarantino. You know, and we're just throwing money at people. So they threw money at this Troy Duffy. This is a prime example of how not to act when you're given a shot at the big time. Because not only is you know he's got the chance of being the director of his own script, but the band he's in at the time signed up to do the music for the movie as well. So it's like a double whammy. You know that you know the world's his oyster at this point. His ego goes totally out of control. He's just, he doesn't listen to anybody else. He doesn't listen to his bandmates. Um, what he says is law, basically, isn't it, Ramrod? Because he just, he just, he, he's got this total inability to listen to anybody else, hasn't he? He's a, he's an absolute see you next Tuesday. He is a fucking arsehole. But it's weird because it would happen to a fucking lot of men this would because don't they just literally Harvey Weinstein is like Jesus Lord and Master in Hollywood yeah. and it, and if he clicks his fingers people die don't they and he buys him his local bar doesn't he at the beginning he does yeah as like a little gift to him because he believes so much in what he's got in this script for the Boondock Saints which <laughs> which is so funny when when you see the Boondock Saints it's no fucking reservoir dogs I'll tell you that for nothing <laughs> But yeah, he buys him a bar, doesn't he, to start off with? Yeah. And then his ego goes, oh, I am this good then. I am the Messiah. I'm going to fucking take a shit on all my friends. And he does from a great height, doesn't he? He's a fucking arsehole. Oh, but it's you can't stop watching it. You can't that. stop watching it. It's, it's only 82 minutes. It's uh, It was filmed in 2003. And it's just, it's like riveting. You just like, you're glued to the screen watching this because you can't believe how somebody who's given so many chances constantly throughout, and it covers, I think it covers, oh, is it from like 97 to 2002 or so? It covers like about a six-year-ish period. And he's given chance after chance after chance, and he just keeps shitting them all away. And you, you end up looking at the screen and going, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you taking this attitude? Now, I've looked briefly, mate. I don't know if you know this, Ramrod, but mm. um, I don't know whether, whether this is true or not, but I've read that he's currently worth... 22 million dollars what yeah i know so some way or another he's sort of you know he's made it but obviously you know at the expense of he's hated by a lot of people 
You know what I mean, but... He's lucky to be alive. He is. After events that happen. I don't want to know spoilers. No, 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 no spoilers. You know, but there is something that happens at the end of the documentary where somebody's obviously very pissed off with him yeah. uh, and does something um, to, um, to to vent their anger. That's what we'll say about that. But they, it's, they, yeah. try, they, try, they try and put him off his own fucking career, really, <laughs> in, in, in some way you're speaking. It's like, stop doing what you're doing, mate. Like, but they do it in a very extreme way. I mean, it, you couldn't make this up. I mean, like I say, I've been watching Entourage at the moment, and this is like the anti-Entourage. If you wanted to just squeeze The Wolf of Wall Street into an 82-minute documentary, it would be overnight. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because it starts off so hopeful and ends so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> it does. Stupidly miserable after all this madness happens. It's, it's, I'm so glad you've mentioned this because, do you know what? I've forgotten a little bit about it, and it, it <laughs> It does really, it'll never not be relevant in, and more so in today's Hollywood climate where just money talks and bullshit gets fucked up the ass really yeah. hard, you know. <laughs> and this, uh, this was another CEX special, mate, because I saw it in there and I, when I saw it, I thought, oh my God, it's like it's been years since yeah. me and you watched it together um, and I hadn't got it on DVD. It was a two disc special edition. So you got the documentary on. One Has it got disc. Boondock Saints on the it's other disc? It's got Boondock Saints on the oh, other disc. Oh, nice. It was, nice. if I remember rightly, it was 75 pence. And it was That's like, the best oh. 75p you've ever spent, yeah. Dave. That. Absolute bargain. The thing is with Boondock Saints, it is butchered over here. Yeah. I've got the uncut DVD Region 1 because when you watch overnight, you have to see Boondock Saints and you will wonder what the fuck the fuss yeah. was about because it's <laughs> the biggest piece of shit you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> Willem Dafoe's transsexual cop is yeah. a thing of magnificence and tragedy at the same time. Billy Connolly. Billy Connolly is a hitman dad. <laughs> it's Norman Reedus, and everybody loves Norman Reedus after The Walking Dead. He's a fucking national hero in America, isn't he? But he's trying to be Irish in this with, uh, is it Sean Patrick, Patrick <laughs> Flannery? And, uh, I mean, he's made a sequel, though. Troy Duffy, again, wrote yeah. the sequel. Yeah, he has. So it, it's got that much of a cult following. Probably this documentary didn't hurt. And you've got to think, you know, Joaquin Phoenix did that documentary, I'm Still Here, saying this is my bowing out of the movie world and I'm going to be a hip-hop artist. And that is so brilliant. But it was bullshit. It was all staged. Yeah. Maybe overnight was staged. Maybe no fucker gave a shit about the Boondock Saints. So they thought, do you know what? Let's, like, let's edit this um, journey this guy went on and make it look... So people will go and watch this fucking movie because yeah. nobody gives a shit about it. Yeah, who knows? Like, who you knows? never know. This is how Hollywood works. They've said, cloak and dagger shit. It is, isn't it? All <laughs> young, <laughs> yeah. Young. We're going to feel it soon, Dave. You know, we're going to feel it. <laughs> now we're movie stars. That's it. On the inside now. <laughs> oh, yeah. As long as I'm not on the inside of you, I'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> Harvey Weinstein has his way with us. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, right, I've got quite a few more movies to talk about. I'll talk about two more before handing it over because one does link to you again, Ramrod. Um, I'll move on to a, another documentary that I watched. Um, made this year. Uh, it's only 94 minutes. It's called Misery Loves Comedy. And it's it's basically, it's, it's a load of comedians worldwide. It's like talking heads. Um, and they sit and share sort of life stories uh, stuff that's happened on stage, uh, insights into what it's like to be funny. And it's, you, you know, the whole thing of, you know, people think of, of comedians are basically at heart depressed people, you know, and they're funny to to come out of this this depression. Um, I'm not going to list 
the comedians that are in it. Um, I could list the comedians that are not in it because you know, obviously, there's so many that I think should have been in it. That or the dead. Or the dead. Yeah, that would have been kind of <laughs> difficult to have them into it. But there's there's some amazing stories. Obviously, you know, with this many comedians in it, it's really funny. There's some great stories that are told. Um, and considering that you know it's a documentary that's just talking heads and not really much else, there are a few clips that go cut to um, clips from TV shows, um, but they are relevant to the subject that they're talking about at the time. But it's really good, you know, if you want to sit down for an hour and a half, have a bit of a laugh, you can't do much more wrong than than watch Misery Loves Comedy. So, you know, that's that is, one. Is uh, Doug Stanhope in it? Ooh, no. No, okay, is Jim Jeffries in it? Mm, no, that no I'm fucking watching it. <laughs> <laughs> they are funny men. They are. I will. Uh, the next film I want to talk about, I've got quite a few more, but at this point I'm going to hand it over because I know you, Ramrod, um, you watched this before I did, uh, and you said, it's fucking amazing, and it is fucking amazing. Hell it's, yeah, what is it, Dave? It's 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 Cop Car. Oh my <laughs> God! It's, it's Kevin awesome. Kevin Bacon as a bad guy, and for me, he's been a bad guy in a few times. You can't go wrong with a bit of bad bacon. Can no. you? you know what I mean? When he's been a bit evil, you can't go wrong with that. Just link it back to X-Men. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Like the bacon. He doesn't just sell telephone contracts. No, it's not all about that. He's an um, actor. He is, and he's fucking brilliant in this. And the performances by the two young kids in it are amazing. It boils down to, uh, set in America, two young lads uh, that are, have left home. They find a cop car abandoned in a field. So like you would do if you're a kid, they sort of jump in it and drive it away and go on a bit of an adventure. Now, the brilliant thing about this is it's it's just a little slice of life. You've got no idea why the kids left home or where they're from or anything about their background. Um, you've got you, the cop car that they steal, which is Kevin Bacon's, obviously. He's not a good cop. The shit he does in this film... You've got no idea why he did the stuff that pans out throughout the movie. And then the way that it finishes, it just finishes with like a full stop and there's no sort of real conclusion to it. It's left into, you know, to your own... Do they do this? Does this happen? I don't want to give too many spoilers away. But it just like starts partway through a story, finishes like before it should end. But the middle bit that you watch, you're just like, you're transfixed to the screen, aren't you, mate? The performances in it, the nuances in it, the story to it is amazing. It's it's so good. It's 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 one of those perfect examples of like an old school midnight movie, like The Hitcher or something like that, where you don't really know a lot about anything. Like you say, it's ambiguity is what makes it unique. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's kind of like it's got elements of standby me in it with the kids. Yeah. And again, like I said about Jurassic World, it's I always find it hard to root for the kids because they're always overacting. But when they do it well, and these two little lads in it just reminded me of me and my mates when we were like 10 <laughs> or 11 being stupid. You know, it's like the bit where he says, run down the hill and he goes, go down that bit there. It'll be quicker and you'll be more of a ninja, you know, and you're like, <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. And they, they dare each other to run over and touch the cop car as if something's going to happen to them. Yeah. And it was really like endearing. You were like, oh, I, I was you, you know, 100 years ago. I get it, but Kevin Bacon's performance in it, I said he was spidery. And that's the oh, word I used. Yeah. 
he's very spidery and he's not he doesn't come across as terrifying but his desperation is is terrifying because like you say because you don't know who's got good intentions and bad intentions and you really don't and that's why it's a shame again i've been following the trail of this movie long before it came out because i thought the premise of it was brilliant it's all set on one day and i love that yeah films that are set over one day or one night you know you can really like get involved with and his performance is like you forgot about kevin bacon you really did like when he was in the hollow man he was a dirty like slimy sexy rapey bastard wasn't he and he was <laughs> you know or he's the guy at a footloose but in this he's like this mustachioed cop and you like again you don't know is he good is he bad yeah what's he gonna do next but that it's the performance that got me as well as that guy in the boot now i i wish i'd have researched the actor's name but he's he's in a fucking lot of movies this guy and tv um he's in the wolf of wall street he's the he's briefly in it as um leonardo dicaprio's pilot for the you know his boat yes when they get stuck at sea and he's in this great movie called tigerland with colin farrell where he's training to go to vietnam and he's like the the antagonist in that and he's in another great film called splinter where they're stuck in a gas station oh and splinter's like great yeah really good for, but he, he he always plays these little roles and he's one of those guys that will probably in like 20 years have 200 films under his belt and nobody will really know who he is but he always performs and he's the guy who's i won't he's 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 the guy that looks for the vantage point to fire his gun that's all i'm gonna say without any spoilers <laughs> yeah but i mean it's there's so much comedy in it and it is very funny because of the situation is ridiculous mm-hmm. and you kind of look at it through these kids point of view like why are these grown-ups being so ridiculous and why don't they just get on with their lives but there's some horror going on in the background and it builds and it builds and it builds and you really get upset and towards the end of the movie you're thinking i hope this doesn't go the way i think it's going to go because this is not nice Mm. an excellent five-star fucking movie and if it does ever come out will it come out in the cinemas over it doesn't seem like a cinema sort of movie but if it does it would look great on the big screen oh it would do and i know chris you know you mentioned earlier how you're like going through this amazing run of watching great movies I would say if you can get your hands on, um, however you might do, on on this movie, you're <laughs> not going to be disappointed, mate. You're going to be riveted to it. Yeah, it sounds awesome. I love Kevin Bacon, I have to say. Like you said, even though he's doing those shitty fucking adverts on... <laughs> Fuck me. Uh, but still, he make, you know he, he does make the best out of them. But that guy, um, Shay Wiggum, his name is and like because I've just looked him up and I thought I didn't know exactly who he was that you were talking about. That's the this, guy. This is the guy at Tigerland. The, yeah. yeah, that's the one. He's fucking great. He he popped up in uh, Justified, uh, the final series of that because I finished that now and he, and and like I recognise that fucker from somewhere. And he like you said, he's got one of those faces where he's in films or he's in TV shows and he's like he seems to leave as uh, you know like an imprint on that. Even though he's probably only in it for, for a, a short period of time or whatever, but yeah, so that's that dude. But it sounds nice. awesome. It sounds really cool. I do like uh, the sound of it. Yeah, it is. It's really, really good. I'd recommend that to everybody that's listening to this. Proper, proper eighties throwback in in its styling and everything. It's it's such a good film. Yeah. But I bet you it's, it'll just die a death. Nobody'll see it. It'll oh, just creep so... out on DVD. <laughs> oh. Yeah, frustrating, mate, isn't it? When that happens, yeah. it really is. Kevin Bacon needs more movies. Remember fucking Tremors? 
Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, it's fucking hilarious, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, can't go wrong with that either. We we need a Kevin Bacon special. Yeah, we need a bacon night, mate. All right, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> go on then, Ramrod. Keep us going with uh, movies, mate. Well, I got I got an, I got another little movie to talk. Well, it's not a little movie. It's a rather huge and important movie to any man that ever walked the fucking earth. Um, I, I go back now and again into my DVD collection. I'll dig out a film I know I love, but I I think I need to watch again at a certain point in my life. And oh boy, did I get more from this movie the other night. And I I sat there the other night. A couple of beers. Always a couple of beers involved. You know, I like a drink. It brings something out. <laughs> I'm sure you've surprised no listeners whatsoever, yeah. mate. <laughs> I'm on the King Cobra tonight. It's not Polish. I've got some Polish information for you later, so stay tuned. Oh, okay. You're on King Cobra. That King Cobra is a big bottle as well, isn't it? Isn't it's it like, like a wine bottle. It's like three quarters of a litre. I could sit on this and get off. <laughs> <laughs> Honest to God, it's got a beautiful elongated neck on it. Like the finest wine bottles I've seen used and abused on previous Big Brother episodes. That's nice. Um, Good taste. I'll, I'll tell you later. Oh, okay. well, I did sneakily open up some uh, Top Totty while you were talking. Tell me more. Yeah, I've got. I have now got an open bottle of Slater's Top 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 Totty. Oh, he's um, on it. Oh, yeah. tell, I, I've had one mouthful of Top Totty and I just can't Oof. even speak. Um, it's a blonde beer, and, and as I read from the bottle, it says, "Stunningly seductive, a voluptuous variety of hops with a fruity, fresh finish." Oh, that's a tongue twister. It certainly is. I'm, I'm glad I read that now as I started uh, thinking <laughs> it and not afterwards or else that could have sounded completely different. Is she, is she a strong taste, Dave, or um, is, she, is she weaker than what I'm drinking? She's she's quite mellow. She's only... What she 4%. Knows? Exactly 4%, mate. Um, on the label, though, she has she's wearing nothing but a bikini and bunny ears. So you can have your top tie. I've got one that's called King Cobra. <laughs> and it will fit up my ass with a bit of <laughs> I am I'm with seven point five percent. Oh, I can't yeah, I no competition mate there, mate. You win. You win on that one. <laughs> and on that note, this is what happens when you drink a lot. You put lethal weapon on. Oh. You put you put the director's cut of Lethal Weapon, or may I add the director's cut, because that's highly important to yeah. what I'm about to say. Because, not Lethal Weapon 2, although it is very important, certainly not 3 and 4, and I'm not slating them in any way, because I'm a big lover of them, and I am a huge Mel Gibson fan. I don't give a shit about his private life, you can fuck off, I don't want to hear about any of that shit. Same with Tom Cruise, I love Mel Gibson, the actor, mm-hmm. and I'm talking about Lethal Weapon. Now, Everybody knows the movie. For those that have never seen Lethal Weapon, what the fuck are you doing listening to this show? <laughs> Go and watch Lethal Weapon. Yes, immediately. Uh, and, and take it in. It's It didn't start it all. I'll say that. It's not the film that started it all, but it's the film that made it all happen thereafter. It's the benchmark for buddy cop movies. It became, it made Shane Black, mm. Shane Black, Let's be honest, it was the the most expensive script ever sold in Hollywood at the time. And rightly so, because Shane Black wrote a script about men, four men, doing manly shit. And I'm talking about Vietnam. Now, I've got a big thing about Vietnam, as I've mentioned previously, about (laughs) Frank Frank Castle. I'm, I'm, you know, I've got loads of respect for men that served, right? 
There'll be people out there today, obviously, looking at modern-day wars that will say, they're not shit, they're not about anything but money and oil. Right, okay. But these men will get suited and booted, they will put their lives on the line, they will go out there and they will fight for what they are told is right. Their beliefs might not come into it, it doesn't matter, it's a job and they do it. Now, in Lethal Weapon, you've got Mel Gibson's Martin Riggs. You've got Roger Murta, Danny Glover, Mm -hmm. right? Now, you've got Ebony and Ivory, whether you like it or not, this was going to be a popular thing at the time. I don't know the origins of Shane Black's script, whether it was definitely a black guy and a white guy. But, you know, I suppose it hadn't really been done that much before, and it was one of those things coming together in the 80s. It needed to happen, you know, because they've got a lot of problems in America still today with racism and, you know, uh, prejudice and whatnot. But bringing these two guys together was a big deal in the 80s. They were both Vietnam veterans. Now, I'd forgotten that. I knew Mel Gibson's character, Martin Riggs, was a sniper in Vietnam. I did not remember that Roger Murta was in... um, special forces in vietnam right because they never really touch on it in the other movies this whole vietnam thing is never really mentioned ever again in any of the lethal weapons because they turn into comedies really don't they yeah you know there's good action but this is a film about you know mel gibson's wife has has died she's gone he's gonna blow his fucking brains out you know with his dog for company and it's one of my favorite scenes in in the history of film is where he, he he can't do it and he holds that picture of his oh. wife up. and I'm going to cry talking about it I'm well, this, fucking this is it. If, if people say you know they're going about Mel Gibson and, and sort of bring his private life into it and all that like you said at the start mate discard all of that just look at them as an actor this from an acting point of view fucking hell it's, it's like one of the best scenes ever isn't it it really is. It's it's so emotional. And I, I, I do get emotional watching these man movies. Maybe it's a beer. Oh, it probably is a beer. <laughs> but, you know, we, we've all gone through shit in our lives as men that, you know, it touches you in certain ways. And, you know, we've lost things. And when I watch a scene like that and I see a man who's really at breaking point, I've not served in a war. I've not been in Vietnam. I've not had a murder people for money. But this guy's sitting here. You can feel it in him that he's fucking at the edge. He doesn't give a shit. And specifically the director's cut of this movie where, you know, his first job of the day is he goes to that school where that guy's shooting. I don't know if you've seen this or remember it. And and there's that guy shooting at kids and he just says, who's he shooting at? They go, he's shooting at anybody, shooting at the kids. And his eyes go and he just pulls his Beretta out and he just shouts, "Um, Mr. Shooter. And he goes, get the fuck away from here. And he goes, do you want to fucking shoot me? You know, take me on. Yeah. And this guy just shoots Mel Gibson and he's literally inches away from him. And Mel Gibson stands there and just fucking empties his gun at him. And then he fucking has like a minor moment, doesn't he? Like a minor panic in his own head. Like, what the fuck have I just done? And then off he goes into the sunset and it's like, whoa, fuck. You know, it really is powerful shit when you go back and you watch it. Then you've got Tom Atkins shows up in it. Now, 80s movie lovers, Tom Atkins is a fucking god, isn't he? And he was in Vietnam. He was in Roger Murtagh's... Um, well, no, he wasn't in Roger Murtagh, sorry. He was a friend of Roger Murtagh, and he finds out that uh, the, the girl that kills herself at the beginning of Lethal Weapon was his daughter. And um, Danny Glover's character realises, oh, I know that name. 
and I know a dad, I served with him in Vietnam, and they go and visit him, and he talks about being in Shadow Company in Vietnam, which was like an elite unit that went, you know, off the radar and all this. I'm sitting here fucking thinking, this is the best blokes film I've ever seen in my life. We're talking about Vietnam, we're talking about Special Forces, and we're talking about Air America. They bring up Air America, another Mel Gibson movie, unrelated, but they ran, controversially, heroin in and out of Laos you know, which was documented at the time. And this is what they were doing. They were all part of the drug export. And then you've got Gary Busey's character, who was in Shadow Company, another Vietnam veteran. You've even got the guy at a diad and every Chinese character ever. The guy, what's his name? <laughs> Al Young, isn't it? Yeah. You've interviewed him before, Dave. And he's yeah. one of his, he's in Shadow Company. He's a, he tortures Mel Gibson in that horrific electrocution scene. Oh, yeah. You know, and it, this is, these are men and they're not young men. They're men who've lived their life and they're at a point where they regret a lot of shit. You know, Roger Murtaugh's 50. What's his famous line in this movie? I'm too old for this shit. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it's, it's got so much that I think is overlooked and forgotten because of the sequels. And I was, I was so emotional watching this film. I couldn't get enough of it. And I thought I just needed to share again, you know, how awesome the writing is in this and hands hands up to shane black you know he is the, he's a he's a writing god and if he can do anything close to this because i know he's done iron man 3 which was fantastic you know and he wrote gr some great movies he really did like the long kiss goodnight and f films like that but if he could just dig deep again and do another last boy scout you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, do another lethal weapon because I know he's doing this new Predator movie, but I know the landscape's changed in Hollywood and, you know, Vietnam veteran movies were of a time. But fuck me, this film, I, I, I couldn't get enough of it. And it made me want to watch it more and more and more and more because uh, there's nothing like it. And then just touching briefly on the sequel before I hand it over is that, again, I've got the uh, the American DVD of this because over here, Lethal Weapon 2 was butchered. Yeah. And really strangely because there's a couple of key scenes which are missing still to this day even though they've released the director's cut um it's it's still cut and it's a scene where i think mel gibson shoots howard sherman who played bub in day of the dead and you don't really notice <laughs> you don't really notice he's in the movie but it, there's some re uh, and it connects really well to the first one because of course shane black wrote that one as well richard donner directed it and they work really well together but more so the first one really i just want to say lethal weapon yeah it's good. You brought up a couple of good points there, mate, because I think it's important um, as you get older and you sort of rewatch films from your past, you can get so much more from them, can't you? When you go back into them and you sort of like look at them as, you, as, as you're getting older, because you're, you know, you're getting quite old now as well, aren't you? I'm, really? I'm getting there. I'm getting there, yeah, mate. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll accept it. Um, but as far as like DVDs and censorship go as well, I don't think we brought this up in any of uh, the previous entertainment shows that we've done. Um, yours and mine online bible and I'm hoping you're aware of this site Chris people need if, if ever you're going to buy a DVD or Blu-ray always go first to mm. dvdcompare.net because yeah. that lists the best version of what you want to buy so you'll type in oh, I want to buy Lethal Weapon it'll list every version that's been released worldwide and it'll it'll just list all the cuts that are made it'll say this is the best version this is the uncut version um okay this may be the uncut version but this one even though it's cut has these extras 
that that one doesn't. Mm. So if you're really into you know into your movies, you may go, I'm I'm going to have to double dip on this. I'm, I'm maybe I'm going to have to triple dip because I want the uncut version and I want all the extras. And to get all the extras, I've got to buy another two. You know, one from America, one from Australia. So I would recommend to everybody listening to us, um, if you're not aware of DVDCompare.net, put it into your bookmarks and make it an essential visit before you buy anything. Always. Well said there, Dave. Mm-hmm. Even, even as close as like two weeks ago, I bought Cobra on Blu-ray because it's the first time in the UK it's been available fully uncut and I didn't even know there was a scene missing. It's a four-second shot of Sylvester Stallone lighting someone on fire and telling him he has the right to remain <laughs> silent. <laughs> but again, oh. thanks to that site, I That's didn't it. know I was ever missing it. That's it. Four seconds of Sly, mates, all I need, ever. Yeah, well, I can imagine. <laughs> It, it's, it's amazing. I've, I've got to go back to Lethal Weapon a little bit because that God. I remember watching that on video. Um, oh God, when it was released, and then watching Lethal Weapon two. I used to rent that and then re-rent it and rent it. There were certain films that I'd always go to the video shop. Moonlight Night, uh, Moonlight Video it was, and I'd go with my mom, and you know we'd watch them together. We watched Die Hard together for fuck's sake. You know we watched Lethal Weapon two together, and but Lethal Weapon is just. I remember at the time liking Lethal Weapon 2 more because it seemed to have that more comedy element to it. You know, you got Joe Pesci and then you got sort of, you know, there was a bit more comedy to it. There's sort of, there was a the hard edge to it, but it's there was there was more comedy. And it's just the way it introduces the characters and they go for you know, the, the car chase and everything. But the, that scene that you're talking about, it, it, it's so dark lethal weapon you know there's that it's and it's the michael cayman score as well you know it's like it's kind of that score that the way that he's looking he's cleaning his gun isn't he and then he sort of like he looks at it then it's sort of like the music's kind of like you know sort of tragic and everything and then he sort of like it's when he sort of like puts a bullet in it and he looks at the bullet and then the the this the camera looks really deep and dark into the actual barrel of the gun and it's like fuck and then the tone changes the mood changes and it's like you put all those elements together and it just makes a perfect scene and there's so many perfect scenes in, in that film and it, 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 you argue it's a perfect film in as much as that that you know you've got the fight at the end which i always remember between um Busey and uh, Gibson which is fucking brutal um, you've got the chase where just after he's been tortured and the the bus rams into the car and he's struggling to get out the car the colonel guy you've got the scene in the desert where uh, either go to cap- get uh, Murtar's daughter back you know there's a bit where he gets fucking shot, uh, shotgun in the chest like point blank and he gets smashed through you know, plate glass window, and he's got oh, I'm pissed now. I'm there gonna fuck. You know, that's that's him in a nutshell, isn't it? Because he doesn't you know. even fucking flinch, does he? He's like, I've just been shotgunned, and now I'm gonna kill him. Yeah, it's it's such Great. a dark story, you know, because it's like about the, you know drugs, and then like you say, he's fucking opening scene is Jingle Bell Rock, and then you know she takes <laughs> a, a header off this building, you know, into a car, um, and. It's like, what the fuck? But then there's the bit at the start where he gets introduced because, like, obviously the Three Stooges and everything else. And, that, and it, you know, he, he's, like, trying to, you know, do, uh, infiltrate this drug deal. You know, he's, he's like, saying, you know, he, he pulls out, so, you know, what do they say? There's, like, 50. And he goes, like, okay, you know, 10. Oh, no, he goes to him, he says it's 100. And That's he's it? Like, 100 grand. And he's like, <laughs> I have all that sort of money. It's, yeah. it's so good. 
And then it's like, because like he gets caught, doesn't he? You know, there's a guy kind of like, he's, he's like selling Christmas trees. And then there's a guy and he's sort of like, you know, he's, he's um, going, do it, do it, do it, fucking shoot me, whatever. And oh, it's, it's powerful. But then there's the rooftop scene, you know, where he takes the header off the rooftop, you know, and it's just, oh. There's another, there's another one in there as well where he gets, after that scene where he jumps off the roof, Danny Glover drags him into a vacant building, doesn't he? Yeah. And he says, if you've got a fucking death wish, what's the matter with you? He goes, maybe I don't care anymore. He goes, take my gun then, stick it in your mouth and pull the trigger. And he literally stops the hammer, doesn't he, with his yeah. thumb? Yeah, yeah. And, and he goes, you really are crazy. And he goes, I'm hungry. Yeah. And he just walks out. And this, this is the fucking thing. It's like, oh, I was eating it up, I was devouring it. I've loved that film for so long. But, you know, when I, I had an epiphany, like, when I was 30, I got into The Doors. And it was over one drunk night of listening to Jim Morrison. And it just made sense to me. And it was the same with this movie. It, it just clicked perfectly. And it's it's still one of the greatest films I've made. And Richard Donner as well. For I mean, the guy is just disappeared off the face mm-hmm. of the earth. Yeah. And I think the last movie I think he made was 16 Blocks, wasn't it, with Bruce Willis? Still, it was a good movie. Mm-hmm. But he was so prolific. He made the fucking omen, for Christ's sake. And the Goonies? Goonies. Scrooge? And Scrooge. He was like, you know... Superman? What, where do they go, these gods <laughs> of directing? It's such a shame, isn't it? You know, but... That film is like there's there's nothing I can compare to it. in terms of the Buddy Cop movie, although it does have some light moments in it. The the weight of these these broken men that have come back from war, and the shit they've brought with them is just unparalleled. Yeah. And Shane Shane Black, fucking hell, man, what a writer! But you can see that how that as the films went on, the more comedy was introduced, the sort of more sidekicks, and by the fourth one, you got Jet Li and everything. And like you, I like those films. I like mm. three and four. Uh, Bits of them more than the whole thing, but certain one is just a fucking a, amazing masterpiece. You it's know, a different, it's a different born game. The first one, I'll give it to the second one as well because I think they work hand in hand together because they play on Mel Gibson's past, mm-hmm. and he's the guy that like he, he knows him, doesn't he? That South African guy. He says you're Martin Riggs, and he's the guy that like killed his wife yeah. or something like that, isn't it? And it, he's right. got that revenge thing, and then he loses his mind, and that's why the Region One director's cut is a more effective movie because he's more psychotic in it, and he kills more brutally in it. It's, yeah, it's more violent. You can, yeah. I mean, just, you know, this it's out there that there now, but it's just the violence is off the charts compared to. They, that's what used to piss me off in the sort of like the nineties and stuff like that, and the. You know, late eighties. I mean, Dawn of the Dead. You talking about that that site? Um, was it rewired? Compared DVD compared dot net. Mm. Dawn of the Dead was a perfect example of that. That was butchered. You know, back in in oh, those days. God, yeah. Absolutely yeah. butchered. And I've got about five different copies of that film. You know, <laughs> and, and it's just you know, there's so many different versions of it. I remember going to the library once and looking up the Matrix on the BBFC because they cut bits out of that. I used to get so pissed off when they cut stuff out because it wasn't cut from the cinema. It was no. only generally cut from home video, yeah. and it was like you know, there's like headbutts and stuff like that, ear claps, you know, because some fuckhead would go out and do it to somebody. <laughs> Fucking ear claps and headbutts. You can watch like Saw Four, and somebody gets their head twisted off slowly by their friend. <laughs> Wasn't that the Tango okay. adverts though? Yes, that did you know. the ear claps. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, we shouldn't complain really because if you know, you compare to one, well, not even you know, ten years ago. The stuff, and we've said in the past on these entertainment shows, the stuff that we've watched, I think Sabotage with Arnie being always oh. my prime example, was a 15, me and Ramrod, we went to the cinema to watch it. It's a 15 and we're watching it going, holy fuck, Walking there's stuff hell. in this. <laughs> that, you know, not 
too long previous would have been cut out of an 18. Yeah. You know, it, it just shows how we, you know, we've moved along since then. But they're so reluctant to go back now because I know there's still a lot of movies out there that you can't get uncut over here. Yeah. You know, the Seagal movies, for fuck's sake. Oh, that's yeah. ridiculous. Really you is. know, a fucking arm break. Has anybody seen The Raid? Did the BBFC <laughs> see The Raid at all? Because, fuck, I'm pretty sure that and The Raid 2 were more brutal. And like going back to that Punisher Warzone, somebody gets a chair leg kicked through their face in the first six minutes. I've never seen that in my life. <laughs> Well, maybe in the local pub, but that's yeah, yeah, that's it, just that's how it is round here, yeah. mate. You know, it is Wales. Got... Come on, for God's sake. Yeah, time. we all like a fucking scrap round here. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. We're actually really nice. <laughs> Not nice like that. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with being nice. No, I don't want to alienate anyone. No. You're just digging yourself into a deeper hole now, mate. You do I know, know there's that. a full moon outside. Have you seen that full moon? Fucking <laughs> hell. No, that... I'd say, I did see the moon yesterday, and it was massive. Just going on yeah. a tangent for a change. <laughs> Whose um, moon was that, Dave? I was <laughs> going to say. <laughs> i got a moon for you to I've see. I've seen your moon so many times, and that's massive too, mate. It's, it's not, not a, though. It's not I a mean, bottle up, it is there. <laughs> not yet, mate. <laughs> Give him another ten minutes. <laughs> I'm being really good tonight. I've only got the one bottle of King Cobra, albeit it's a wine bottle, and it's 7.5%, so I'll probably get a bit yeah. fucked up. People, minute, but... people that are waiting, you know, tuned in specifically to hear about your latest polish beer find okay okay actually okay. actually hold before you got because well, you, you did tease us earlier that you've got a bit of a story about that i yeah. did i did pass um for all our listeners i did pass the polish beer shop that ramrod gets all gets all of his beers from yeah um, yesterday and I, I should have taken a photograph, so I'm going to promise now. If you okay. follow us on our Instagram, and I'll give you all the details about that at the end of the show, um, the next time I go past there, I'll take a picture of it and I'll put it on our Instagram account. And you will see the shop where Ramrod um, yeah, stocks up in all his Polish beer. It's good stuff, man. It really is. I love that shop. And there's two guys that work there, and they, they are they are Polish natives who've moved here. But when they talk to you, because when, when Polish guys and girls come in, they'll talk in Polish to them. But when I go in, or I can imagine other local people go in, they put on a Wrexham twang. It's really <laughs> funny. Right, la, how are you? And you're like, oh, what? <laughs> and I'll say, what's this one like? Oh, it's mint, mate. And you're like, I thought you the same mint in Poland. <laughs> it's brilliant, but I, I'll, I'll cut it. I'll cut in with this, like, because I, I mean, I asked her today in work. I work with this lovely girl called Dagmara. It's a great name, Dagmara. She'll never listen to this, so she'll never know anyway. But she's <laughs> she's the only Polish person I know and I work with, and she's she's brilliant. She's she's a great girl. But so I, I ask her questions about what what am I putting into my body, Dagmara? I don't know what this. I thought you were going to say, what am I putting into my mouth? What am I putting into my mouth? Yeah. I'm sure she wouldn't tell me that either because she's like all mystical and exotic because she's from Eastern Europe. But um, she's helped me out with some translations. So I'm going to help everybody out there now that wants to go and buy Polish beer and doesn't know where to start his Ramrod's Guide to Buying Polish Beer. Cue some music, Dave. Oh, here we go. Educational. Educational. So anyway... As I've learned, there are a couple of very odd words on cans of Polish beer. Now, one specifically is, it's pronounced Motsna, but it's spelt M-O-C-N-E. So it looks like Mokna, but they say Motsna in Poland. Uh Now, that's on a lot of the cans I buy, the ones I like. So she told me, I said, Dag, what does Motsna, what does Mokna mean? She goes, no, it is, it is Motsna. 
And what does it mean? It means strong. <laughs> <laughs> so I went, a figures, that figures, okay yeah. then. So what about the other word that I'm having a bit of trouble with is smack. <laughs> <laughs> now, over here in probably other countries, smack is heroin. And uh, am I drinking things I shouldn't be drinking? She goes, no, because smack, M-A- M, oh, I can't, I've had a drink. <laughs> <laughs> You're on your Cobra King now, mate. That's it. S M A K, smack, means taste. So it's strong taste or taste strong, the translation. Now, if you pick up a can of Polish lager and you're wondering what colour code to go by, pick up the black one because the black one is the strongest one. Okay. Ah, okay. So you go in black, you're looking for Mosner and you're looking for smack. So when you go to the shop, say to the man, Chris, I'm looking for some black Mosner smack. (laughs) (laughs) Where in the Midlands you live, it might something come out from under the desk a bit different. But also, she explained to me there's another beer, which I really like, another strong beer, and it's called Jubra. And you spell that J-U-B-R-I-E, Jubra. And Jubra, I thought, was the name of the beer. Again, it's not. A zubra is the the national animal of Poland. Ooh. How about this? And it's a big fucking buffalo-looking thing. It's not a <laughs> buffalo, but it's a bigger buffalo. And she's seen them for real, obviously, when she goes back home. And she said they're like huge buffalo. And they're called zubra, and they're the national animal. So there you go, everybody. There's your education. Wow. Who'd have thought when they downloaded this episode that they were going to be educated like that, mate? Mm. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't know. I went blind into that shop. I was like, oh, fuck it. And literally, Chris, there's just a wall <laughs> of cans. You go blind after about two oh. of their beers anyway. You know? <laughs> so, but they're so tasty. You know, they're really sweet. And they're so fucking strong. But I'm, I'm, and I'm literally not going around saying which are the strongest ones. Because, you know, I'll get a 6%. You know, I'll rain it back. I don't care. <laughs> just a, just it, a, a mere weak 6% beer. Yeah, so we got Smack, Motsner, and Jubra. But I would go for, um, I think it's called Tatra Mosner. It's a nice one. It's a guy with a little nice hat on. He looks like Alan Grant out of Jurassic Park. <laughs> if you see him on a can, it's a nice... <laughs> it's, a good, it's a sign of quality, then, is it? Yeah. So, yeah, oh. but I'm not drinking one tonight. I haven't brought one with me because I'm trying to stay a little bit sober because I'm <laughs> supposed to be doing something with my life tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know what it is yet, but Zoe said, we're going to be doing something tomorrow. So I've got to go, okay. Oh, nice. Well, what we'll do, Chris, the next time that you're up here, um, the three of us will go into that Polish beer shop. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. We'll stock up and then have a movie night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it'll be fucking grim after that, mate. <laughs> I'm just giving you a heads up. I yeah. really are we, are we going to go back to that period that you uh, described oh, the previous man. episode? Will we all be suffering from one of those? I haven't had a beerium for ages. I fucking I had some weird farts the last couple of days. They smell like beans. I know you did. You were around here the other night. I was like party oh, to man. some of those. Yeah, it was not good. It smelled, you know, like what I said, when you open a can of beans and you drain, <laughs> you drain the fluid out. Thank you, Zoe. <laughs> Zoe taught me how to drain beans because I always put the liquid in the thing. Anyway, uh, it smells like fresh open bean can. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, I don't know whether I need to see a doctor or... <laughs> I haven't eaten anything weird. I had creatine for the first time the other day. I was like, the f- I, was like I was on amphetamine. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Chris, if you want a good fucking workout, get some creatine in you, mate. You'll be going all night, man. 
What's that? Well, you know, like weightlifters yeah. use like protein. protein it's supplement. pure protein, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I've had that before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but creatine is like uh, an amino acid that. And honest to God, right, I only had a couple of these maxi protein bars, but it's got about six or eight grams of creatine in it. Now, I've heard about creatine before, and I ate one of these bars before I did a workout. I lifted my new heaviest weight purely through having this creatine in my system. I was buzzing my tits off. I felt so fired up. Honestly, I thought I was turning into fucking the Hulk, man. Because I, I, I was lifting like 28 kilograms. I'm on to 34 per dumbbell now. I never thought I could lift that. And I know probably guys who lift think, that's fuck all, mate. But that's a that's a fair weight. That You're talking about 11 stone, something like that, two of them. So, I, yeah, I was buzzing me tits off. Get some creatine, mate. I might get some. I'll see if the Polish guy's got any under the couch. <laughs> Imagine Polish creatine. It's not going to be what we get, is it's it? It's not going to be, no. See no the size of some of them Polish guys. Jesus, Jesus. Oh my fucking God. Christ. Anyway, so there's your Polish education. Oh, well done. Yeah, I'll get more next month because she's like, don't talk <laughs> about me. And I was like, I won't. <laughs> I of course I have. That's what the Polish is for blowjob. Something like that. Next time. <laughs> yeah. Don't talk, yeah. Yeah, get some swear words. Polish swear words next time. Oh, mate. she does. She does. They, she writes them on the board in work. And I think uh, Guja or something. So I'll have to research this more, but it means shit. Because she keeps saying Guja all the time, which means shit. Oh, yeah. We expect a full uh, a full list of swear words in Polish next time. There'll, yeah. be, uh, there'll be a lesson. Nice. Yeah, yeah. This could be like a new regular segment to the show, you know. Ramrod's Polish lessons. Well, we're integrating our uh, Eastern European friends. Well, yeah, you know, yeah, they're, yeah. They're come, they're, let's get involved. Like, yeah. you know, they're, they're going to learn our ways. They're going to follow, you know, the Welsh national football team because has anybody seen their, their world rankings at the moment? Mm. Hell yeah. Wales, motherfucker. We'll see you at the European Championships. Anybody <laughs> likes football out there or soccer? <laughs> <laughs> Keep watch out for yeah, watch out for Wales. Watch out for fucking Wales and Gareth Bale. Hello. <laughs> C- could you imagine just if you repaid the favour to some of uh, so the the Polish is sort of like saying, so what's your what's your national drink? What do you enjoy drinking? Oh, have a can of Carlin. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, isn't it? Well, we have we have got our national animal. I mean, look at our flag. It's got a fucking dragon on it. Come on, but it, it's not the same really. They kind of kicked our ass with a the beer. They they own beer at the moment. Yeah. 7.6% proof can of beer for one pound is how I live my life. <laughs> and I'm not an alcoholic. No. <laughs> Everybody not... listening to this kind of believes you, mate. Yeah. I know. I've got more of an addiction to porn and pork scratchings than I have. <laughs> you, to, mean, uh... you mean fresher foods, pork That's scratchings, right. any, don't you? Any particular kind of pork scratching? There's the only one. Oh fuck! Did you see Goliath the other day? They oh, tweeted about it, yeah. didn't they? And again, any anybody that, that follows us on Instagram, uh, you'd have seen Ramrod with his mouth full of a lot of pork. <laughs> is, uh, is, is the yeah. best way to put it. In a um, public place, maybe. yes, um, quite blatantly opening mm. wide for it. Um, <laughs> a, a, a big piece of hairy pork. He was gagging. He was. Oh, okay. <laughs> Our good friends at Fresher Food, we took a bag of their pork scratchings to um, the pub we always mention, the Bridge Inn, here in North Wales. Uh, and we had that. The bag was like probably, and no exaggeration, six pieces of pork scratching. 
three quarters of the weight of what of the bag was in this one massive piece that Ramrod took out. It was like a dinosaur fucking femur or something because <laughs> we, we pulled it out the bag and it kept coming and coming and coming. I shared it with my girlfriend as I usually do with some long hairy pork. <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking beautiful though. More, They should just do like a special edition, fresher foods if you're paying attention. Do a special edition like one off, like a kinder surprise. <laughs> so you could like you could coat it and then you could open it up and there's like a toy in the middle. Oh, what do you like know what I mean? A little do piggy. Remember, do you remember when they did the uh, special edition? Oh fuck! Like the you want you get like a milk tray, and but they do actually like one just one big giant sweet from like a milk tray. Yes, yes. yes. And it's like the hazelnut one or whatever. Mm. They could just do like a bag, but it's got one fuck off. <laughs> Yeah. Just one yeah. big fuck off scratching. Fuck. Oh. You could suck it for the week, man. <laughs> well, and the scratching. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, God, it was fun. It was so nice. They're so like, oh, I love pork scratchings. Mm. Fresher foods, pork scratchings. Oh, Endorsed by us. Oh yeah, that, it, it's always been like our snack of choice, isn't it? With a few beers, you can't get better than a bit of pork. Oh, I love it, mate. Yeah. Don't, Dave, because I haven't had my tea tonight or nothing. Oh. I'm fucking hungry. Have you got any? I have, yeah. Stamp on the floor so Tina goes and gets <laughs> get some more beer as well. Yeah. yeah, get me a beer. Yeah, I'll have to run downstairs. I'll leave you two guys talking. I'll come back up with some pork scratchings and beer. Oh, please, Dave. <laughs> listen, listen. <laughs> oh, please. I actually believe you're serious. <laughs> Send her a text. I might do. I'll tell you what, then. Let's Let's do this. I'll talk about a couple of movies now. Then I will go quiet because, you know, as regular listeners know, we don't edit this. So I'll put myself on mute and I'll run downstairs for some beer and some pork scratchings for myself. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I'll talk about some movies, then hand it over to you two guys, hoping um, and trusting that when I go downstairs, you will talk about <laughs> movies and not about me behind my back <laughs> while I'm not online. You can uh, trust us, Dave. We're your loyal fuck, servants. You know, I should know better by now. Scouts on yeah. <laughs> um, right, let me go through some stuff. Um, a movie that I watched, I put uh, a review on it on our website. Um, black and white movie filmed in 1965 called The Uncle. Now, Ramrod, uh, I gave you our review disc to watch just the other day. I know you've not had time to watch it yet. Um, once again, if you do follow us on Instagram, I made a, a short video of it while I was watching it. <laughs> and it's the two kids doing an amazing poem. This is such, I don't know, a charming film. It, it, it was released, like I said, in 65, which <clears throat> was the year that I was born. What? Um, liar, you were fucking in the war, fuck mate. Fuck you. <laughs> you were in Dad's army, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of those, uh, myself and Tina watched it, um, we could relate to so many film, uh, so many films, so many scenes in this film. They go into the corner shop and there's stuff for sale, and we go, oh, "Do you remember that being on sale and all of this?" Don't get me wrong; you don't have to be an old twat to enjoy this film because it gives you a slice of childhood that I feel is like sort of sadly missing now. It's all that like you know life through a screen and it, this this was a time when you you know you were a kid and you go out and you play. You go out in the morning. You'd come back at night, and that was it. Your parents didn't even know where you were. There was no my, no mobile phones. You couldn't get in contact with them or anything. It's just... 
oh, I don't know, it, it's, it's a nice film. It's one of those that no matter what age you are, you can relate to it in so many different ways. The two child actors, much as we talked about the two kids uh, in Cop Car, mate, uh, the two kids in this are just fucking amazing. You know, the, um, if I remember rightly, one of them, this is his only movie appearance. He did nothing else. And, the, and they're just like so good in it. And they're just like playing cowboys out in the field and all of this. Um, I would highly recommend it to everybody. If you want to know more about the story, I'll shut up about it for now. Uh, just go to the website, uh, the review for the uncles on there. Uh, have a look about it. Uh, have you know, have a read about it and um, watch it. Is all I'm going to say. The next film, I've got one. Yeah, let me just go one, two, three, four, four films to talk about. Ramrod, I know you've watched this, so you can chip in. Trainwreck. Oh, uh, I thought it was. Uh, a woman's film, but for men. That's what the best thing I'm going to say about it. This is it. Yeah, yeah, this is good. Um, this year, comedy, just over two hours, 125 minutes. Um, Amy Schumer, who's suddenly become a big name this year, American uh, female comedian. Uh, I love the start of it. It's basically it's about her. She's... Well, She's a guy, really, isn't she? <laughs> That's the... This is this is why I related to it so much. It's, this is a woman. This is a woman who's written a script about a man, but it's played by a woman. Let's be honest. That's what it is. And I think a lot of women are probably going to watch this and go, "I didn't like it," but men are going to go, "I thought it was fucking awesome. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it." Yeah, it does. I mean, the first scene it starts because uh, her character and her sister in the movie, um, the dad. He's explaining about his life. Obviously, you know, he's had bad experiences with women. And he, the way he puts it across by explaining to them via their love of dolls. And he says, okay, so, so maybe you've got a doll um, and, and your friend's got a doll and you want to play with that doll. So why shouldn't you play with that doll? And maybe you, you want to play not just with one doll, you want to play with two dolls at the same time. And he's, you know, it's all relating to, okay, I want to fuck two women at the same time and I want to fuck my mates, missus and all of this. So she's she's got this, from being a kid, she's got this deep down, psych, you know, psychology of she can't be in a serious relationship. Um, but she does, and I think it does, it, I mean, we talked about it, mate, didn't we? It does sort of dip into the usual American rom-com at one point mm. where you go... Okay, the first half was really good where she's being this pissed woman who's just shagging everyone to... Oh, she's falling in love, and it's your usual mm. rom-com shit. But it does, I think, by the end of it, it sort of pulls out of it by the end. Helped, in fact, by her her great dance as a cheerleader. Oh, do you know what, right? I mean, if you've, have you Googled it, Chris? Have you seen Amy Schumer, seen what she looks like? I have. And I'm okay. in two minds whether I would or not. Me it's too. One, I, I read... brilliant. Before you say anything else, mate, I read a great description of her um, that she looks like she's a cross between a Cabbage Patch doll and a Muppet baby. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't fuck either of those. So, which, because she's got like this round face and, you know, a, a really small, thin mouth. Yeah. And, and you go, okay, mm. maybe... You see this scene at the end where she's do she's a cheerleader and doing this dance. You would have no hesitation whatsoever, my friend. Trust me. Honest to God, she's she's not she's so she couldn't 
look any more American. If you drew an American woman, she she fits every sort of everything because she's she's what she's. I've heard an interview with her where she says she's thick, and you know they mean like thick as in thighed and hipped. Mm. And this is what women say: she's thick, girl. She's thick, not like she's dumb. She's very not dumb. How how dumb do I sound saying that? The grammar there was shocking. <laughs> she's very not dumb, but she's not. She's a she's a good comedy writer. I've not seen her show. She's got a TV show in America, but she does a scene at the end where she's trying to win over the guy. It is so by the numbers, and it is a shame yeah. because it's Judd Apatow. Yeah, it's got all his Judd Apatowisms, which is improvisation, American sports stars or movie stars, uh, which will fly over the head of a fucking every person that goes to see this film probably because there's american football players in it there's nba players in it um uh, and american actors and it's going to fly over a lot of people's heads over here but this scene she does at the end where she's trying to win the guy's attention she just joins in with all the cheerleaders and does this kind of awkward dance now i've got a thing now i know my girlfriend's going to listen to this and i always say she never dances with me she'll never have a dance with me but she did the other week we went to a wedding do she got really pissed and she danced like a fucking mad person and it was great but amy schumer does this dance at the end and you find yourself going fuck me she's the hottest woman in the middle but i think it's because you've endeared yourself so much to a character to this point where you've kind of like gone she's really awesome because yeah. what bloke doesn't want a girl that wants to go out and get pissed with her wants to go out and be stupid has got a great brilliant sense of humor she's quick-witted but she's a she's a she is a slut she's a bloke and this is why I think I liked it maybe a little bit more than Zoe, because although she loved it and we did laugh heartily, I mean John Cena is oh John Cena steals the film, mate, totally. What a what a funny bastard! Yeah, you know and we, we she but she's it's a shame it goes down that road. It had to go down that road towards the end because yeah. that's the script she wrote. But the journey you take to get there, I couldn't stop laughing. I couldn't stop liking him more i'm sorry zoe but i couldn't stop <laughs> liking him more and more and when she does that dance at the end if she hadn't have been in the room i'd have cracked one off <laughs> <laughs> and that's bizarre because i never wank off over normal films these days i just go straight to <laughs> red tube <laughs> midget porn nugget porn nugget porn oh my god but yeah she's it, it's so sharply written that as soon as you start watching it you're literally belly laughing from the first yeah, two minutes and you, and it doesn't let up the guy who plays a dad I don't know who he is he must be a comedian from America but some of the shit he comes out with is just solid gold man bullshit yeah it's brilliant it's a great movie it is good yeah I would recommend it definitely um three more to go one I don't think I would recommend this one um another movie from this year dark places um, oh, i've not heard of this oh yeah starring Charlize theron no yeah um horror film um she plays um it's all about she plays a character called libby day who when she was eight years old um her entire family was murdered by her brother um or were they which is oh, the crux oh. of the film you know, so it's one of those that you know it starts back in the day when she was eight, and you know the murder happens, and it keeps flip flopping between present day and what happened back then. Uh, and the brother's like currently in prison, and they come up. Um, she meets this uh, this gang of like conspiracy theorists who want to free her brother. They believe that he didn't do the murder, 
and they try to use her they want to hear her story and use her as proof and get him freed um now it's it's almost two hours this this film it did keep my attention but it's one of those that i would say yeah it was good i enjoy it i i never got bored watching it but there's no way in hell i would ever watch it again Oh, that's it then. It's a death knell, that, isn't it? For yeah, so I, I'm i sort of on the fence, you know, whether to go, yeah, you should definitely watch this. I think it, while you do watch it, you, you won't have a great time. You'll have an all right time. I think it is over long, definitely over long. Um, but it's it's not one I would I would never buy it and watch it again. So. Does she get a kit off? No, that's another downside. <laughs> you sign it off, me. You know that that could have been the tipping point if you saw her naked, but you don't. So. She's so hot, though. I mean, the only dark place I want to see of hers is, you know, what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> She's so beautiful. I could watch her she paint plays. a fence, mate. Well, Tina said she'd read the book of this, and she said that um, Shalise Theron played the part perfectly to the book because the character is such a bitch. And she plays it as such a bitch, um, which maybe sort of puts you off, you know, her character watching the movie as well, because you don't sort of empathise with her at all. You think, well, you deserve everything you're going to get because you're not a nice person. So she always plays a bitch in films. Yeah, lately. yeah. Mm-hmm. She she? Have you seen that fucking young adult? I was just thinking about that. I've heard yeah. she's a bit of a twat in that as well. Yeah. She's honest to God, it's a fucking great film, but she's such a twat, and you, and, and you, there's no redeeming thing about it. And same in Prometheus, wanker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's true. Yeah, it's the same again in this. So it was, it was all right, but I would never watch it again. Which is that one? The first film I ever saw of hers was uh, Devil's Advocate. Oh, come oh, on. Yeah. We can go back further than that. We can do Two Days in the Valley. Have you seen yeah. that one? No, I've not seen that. That was around the time that sort of like you've mentioned earlier on about like Boondock Saints and it was like yeah. everything's got to be sort of like Pulp Fiction related. Tarantino-esque. That was it. it. Yeah. That was one of those films, wasn't it, that was sort of like, it's, you know, what was the, oh, the one with John, oh, not Ligazamu, because he was in uh, Kick-Ass 2. Um Oh, fuck. I'll come back to it. I'll come Chris, back to Chris, it. Chris, okay. come on, come on. Okay, I'll leave you. You look at that while I talk about the next one. Go on. Um, I had my daughter staying over with us the other night, uh, and quite by her own volition, she's got into Bottom and Rick Mayo. Oh. <laughs> um, I've not forced her into it whatsoever, as big a fan <laughs> as I am of Rick Mayo. She, you know, she's got into it. So she stopped over and she said, oh, can we, can we watch some more episodes of Bottom? So I said, I'll tell you what. Let's watch, and this was her first ever viewing of oh, Guest House Paradiso. Don't tell me you watched that. So it's we, fucking insane. Um, I should say she's seventeen um, in like about six weeks' time. She watched. She laughed like crazy. She did say at the end of it, she said, "How the hell did anybody write a script for that film and it get approved? Because it's just so, so out there." I mean, I hadn't seen it for a while. Um, it was nice because I opened up the DVD and inside it was my cinema ticket from when I watched it from um, December 1999 when I went to the cinema to watch I love, it. I love that you do that. Oh, it's, it was brilliant. Uh, the scene with Simon Pegg puking his guts up oh. is just takes some beating. Um, and like the visual imagery of Rick Mayall in red rubber spiky bikini yeah just 
what? What the fuck? It's so beautifully shot. It is, yeah. Cool. And A. Ed, Ed Edmondson um, directed it as well. And the fuck fight scene, know. the fight scene in the kitchen between the two of them, and you know those, you know, listeners that are familiar with Bottom and Young Ones and all of this, you know, you know the violence, you know, when these two are together. But the fight scene in the kitchen for me, is one of their high points because it just goes on and on, like smacking the head in the fridge. Uh, the scene where Aid gets Rick's balls and just crushes them with this massive nutcracker. <laughs> just makes... If any man can watch that and not wince, you know, fair play to you. And, and then when um, Aid gets these two hooks up his nose and Rick spins him round the, 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 the kitchen. We were just in tears watching it, but it goes off in some bizarre directions. It is, the more I've watched it now, I think, fucking hell, this is like a really weird film. It's funny, it's really, really funny, but it's so weird. I mean, think, Chris, you must have watched this, sure. Oh, God, that's got Vincent Cassell, isn't it? It has, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah it's meant... Isn't there a bit where um, Simon Pegg got, like, nipple, like... His nipple pulled up, yeah, because he's... Oh, hold... fucking hell, yeah. He's in bed holding um, a VHS, um, which, which is evidence against Rick. So Rick, they go in... It's like crawl space with Klaus, Kin... Klaus Kinski. <laughs> and they keep going around this hotel in all these different crawl spaces. And he ends up above the bedroom uh, and opens up this hole and, and like, winds down this fishing rod and then the hook you think it's going to go into like simon Pegg's nose or mouth but it goes into his nipple ring and he pulls him up off the bed via his nipple ring so he's he's like above the bed with it it's just it's just totally bonkers it really is i'm just looking at, fucked. look at it now he's saying it bill noise in it i don't remember him he is yeah he's um part of a posh couple that stay in there at the time. Um, I mean, the cast's amazing in it. You know, it's you know Bill Nye, like you said, and Fenella Fielding's great. Um, she's Mrs. Foxfur, who's like a resident of. It's it's almost like oh god, with um, Faulty Towers, with the major that stayed there all the time. Yeah. She's like the major character. She's just like constantly there um, because Rick um, took five years um, payment offer just the day before. And the day before that as well. So she's, <laughs> she's always there. Uh, but like I said, that, that scene with Simon Pegg, when he's, he's like puking up, and it's great when you, if you buy the DVD, uh, the outtakes on it, there's some brilliant, funny outtakes on it. And it shows that scene with Simon Pegg puking up. And he literally can't get a full line of dialogue out because the puke's just throwing up and throwing up and throwing up. And it just ends up with like um, Rick and Aid. They just lean against the wall looking at him and laughing because he just can't say anything because there's so much puke everywhere. It's Oh, yeah. It's good. Nice. I, need, I need to have a lend of that and yeah. watch it again. It's been a long time. Oh, yeah. It's one of those you've got to watch, you know, every few years, just like Bung on Guest House parody. So. I think I've got the box set where because it, it came with all the live shows. Um, I love the live shows. They were just incredible. Oh, just, yeah. They were when brilliant. they would crack up with, you know, and you've been to the wall of them, haven't you? But I, I didn't get to see them live. But actually, so watching the, the, the you know, the vid- videos as they were when I yeah. bought them. And uh, when they make each other laugh, that that's just yeah. some <laughs> of the funniest stuff it ever. Is. Yeah. But, I, um, I always consider myself like so privileged that I saw every single bottom tour live. Uh, and I saw Rick doing the New Statesman live as well. So, you know, it's just... 
Um, again, me and Tina were talking about it the other night. We, you know, we were sort of like reminiscing about Rick, and, and you know, it's like, in all honesty, nobody ever, in in both of our lives, we said, has made us laugh as much as Rick Mail. Uh, and even though it's like over a year now since he died, he's still going to continue making us laugh, you know, until we die. You know, even though we've seen everything he's done, you watch it again and again and again, and you know every word he's going to say. But you still piss yourself laughing at him, you know. There's just nobody like him for me. Yeah, there, there was uh, it was Drop Dead Fred was going to be like that was his big break in America, you know. Yeah, because that's so important, isn't it? Sort of like, oh, you got to break America and all that yeah. bullshit. But you know, it, it is his homegrown stuff. I remember watching the Young Ones when I was a kid, and it was just on BBC Two. I'd, you know, watching it now, it's it, there's nothing like it. You know, it's so. Uh, and the sort of like the word is anarchic, you know. It is, but that's what it was. There was nothing like it on TV. Back no, there then. wasn't. No, nothing and, at all. and it was absolutely brilliant. You know, when you had your favourites, and it was always between. You know, you'd always wanted to see um, Rick and Vivian because they'd always have like a, a fallout. You know, yeah. they'd have fights and stuff like that. You know, um, nobody liked Mike. Because he was, <laughs> yeah, even though he was the cool one, he was fucking yeah, boring. He was, yeah. you know, Neil. But everybody liked Neil because you couldn't dislike him. But you know, because but everybody picked on him, you know. But it was always between Vivian and Rick, you know, and that was so good, absolutely so good. I remember that film. Well, I haven't read it. I've just typed it in. It was uh, things to do in Denver when you're dead. Oh, okay. oh yeah, yeah. cracking yeah. film with yeah, Andy Garcia. That's the one. Now I've not actually seen it, but that was around that time of sort of like you know that those type of films of i guess that's that i think with that i think it stands a bit apart from that because although it come out at the same time i think the writing and the story and the acting is uh, it's not as tarantino-y as it came out as it just came out under that banner i suppose but it's a fucking really good movie and it's probably the last great thing andy garcia really did to be honest mm. It's a really good movie, yeah. really good. Very violent. Treat Williams is psychotic in it, and mm. anything with him in, because he's not in fuck all. He's another great actor that you don't see. <laughs> um, but I, I've got to mention, you talk about the young ones there. My favourite moment. Mike didn't have a lot of great moments, did he? Because you're saying nobody really liked yeah. Mike. But when he was El Presidente. Oh my God! Yeah. And Vivian was like his violent dog with a cricket bat and a crash helmet on. Is anybody who's never seen that just type in El Presidente Young Ones and watch Vivian yeah. go off in true 1980s <laughs> style with a cricket bat? That's it, Viva El Presidente! Viva El Presidente! And Mike had his little <laughs> on, and he was like, dude, he was like, he's war dog, wasn't he? Ah, yeah. oh, fucking <laughs> hell! You know, every time I want to laugh and I feel low, one of the things I put on is um, the the Bambi episode when Neon reveals <laughs> oh, that they're going on to University. I Channel. love that. I and love Motorhead. It. Kick into Ace of Spades. And again, yeah. you know, where on the television now are you going to... And Motorhead's new album's out. Let's talk about that. Motorhead, how fucking long have they been going? And they've just had a 5K review in Kerrang! for their new album. Yeah. And fucking fair play to Motorhead. But they kick in with Ace of Spades. They've got that amazing scene where they're trying to get the train and Vivian stuffs that sandwich into his mouth and just goes, fuck off. <laughs> That's it. Gives him the Vs. Gives him the Vs. And when Rick tries to run away with the magazine and the cameraman stops him and he realises he hasn't paid and he gets a little purse out. That's it. Because he's I such a cried. girl. Because he's a little girl. I literally cried. <laughs> 
watching it now, like oh. so many years later. And Tina used to record them off the television. And I, I think somewhere maybe at home deep in the cauldron of hell is the original VHS that Tina used to record them off the television. Yeah. And they were on BBC Two. I used to record them off the television yeah. too, yeah. And we watched them to death. If you look at that, you've got Ben Elton, Hugh Laurie, Stephen Fry, Emma Thompson, because they were the... Um, is it Emma Thompson or Emma Thomas? That was Emma Thompson, yeah. Thompson, yeah. They were sort of like the posh toffs. Um, and the, 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 well, the bit where the, like, they're writing the sort of like the answers in the Guinness Book of Records, yeah. you know, yeah. sort of like, you know, world's biggest bogey or whatever it was and uh, Will, world's biggest bottom burp and all this, that and the other. It's like, <laughs> you know, Rick. Uh, Rick. Um, but then when he sort of like pulls the cord on the... Um, on the uh, train, and, he, and, he gets and his, fucking, his fucking head comes off, and then he's kicking his head along the the tracks, and it's like spurting out. That's fucking brilliant. Oh, that's and Le- Alexis Sale as well, you know, he's driving. The oh train. yeah. Oh man. When he's when he's uh, Dracula as well, and he's uh, <laughs> comes in the post. This so, this, so, but again, it's like it's real relevant anarchic stuff for get, kicking against Thatcher's Britain yeah. and all that. But the the surreal shit in it, like when it uncut to those those two, com- they were like another version of Hale and Pace, weren't they? And they're like playing cards in a cabin, and then he comes and he goes, "You gotta go to Geneva tonight." And he goes, "Ask for Alec Guinness," <laughs> you know, and you never know what the point of it all is. Yeah. It the was, writing was amazing. Yeah, and, and there'd be like bits within bits, and you get all the stuffed sort of like animals, and you get his pet rat talking, oh, yeah. and then like SPG. the ha- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <SPG>. and then <laughs> there was a bit with Robbie Robbie Coltrane, and he's like kind of like playing this like um, Victorian doctor or vet or something, and then he's saying, "Oh, I'm just going to precariously put this." <laughs> This, I know exactly what you're saying. This chocolate eclair on the side of this. And at the end of it, the whole fucking thing drops on people. You know. <laughs> <It was> so <laughs> brilliant. You know. I don't think we won't ever see anything like that ever no. again. I don't think, you know. No. No. The, the influence of that is still ringing now. I mean, it went... Um, I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Vic and Bob wouldn't have existed without the young ones because their surreal bullshit is so young ones. Yeah. It's right there. And and again, like just going back to what you're saying, Dave, it's Rick Mayle and Aide Edmondson and that mm-hmm. they're right in their performances. It's I mean look at that, it's making us laugh now, just yeah, talking about it. All these years later, and they always will do, you know what I mean? That's what you know, that's what I said. It's if ever I need a laugh, put anything on with Rick Mayle in and I'm guaranteed just to laugh laugh my tits off. No matter how many times I've seen it. Even, so even you know, even comic strip, everything they did, yeah. the Dangerous Brothers, great stuff. Yeah. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna give the last movie before I I nip downstairs and get your drink, mate. Oh yeah. Oh, because I know you're waiting for it. Uh, and this is a film. I'll start talking about it. And I know again, Ramrod, you've seen it. Um, so then we can seamlessly, uh, oh. you know, leave it with you talking about it while I go downstairs. No, no one will ever know that I I've gone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you just fucking told everyone. Yeah, you just told everybody. Apart, <laughs> from, apart from that, I'll just edit this out. Um, unfortunately, th- there's no editing in these shows, so they will know. Um, so let's go into the found footage genre. Oh, uh, I like this. Now, many people sort of go, okay, this began with the Blair Witch Project. It didn't. You no, know. It, you no can, it didn't. You can go way, way back, um, even before, you know, like 1980, I think, Cannibal Holocaust. You know, found footage. There you Definitely. go. Uh, one of my personal favorites from 92, Man Bites Dog. Uh, and again, anybody listening to this that hasn't watched Man Bites Dog, watch it. Um, oh, yeah. Great, great one. Um, and then one that preceded, it was like the, the year before 
um, Blair Witch Project was in uh, 1998. It was called The Last Broadcast. Now, if you haven't watched that, that again is a very low budget in indie movie um, that should have kicked off the found footage um, genre and the way it went after the after the Blair Witch, but it didn't. So, if you haven't watched that, I, I do sort of recommend The Last Broadcast. And we've had like we've had so many to the point. I've become like so jaded with them. Oh, here's another found footage film. You know, th there's only so far you can go, and it needed sort of to be invigorated, and it has been, with mm. a film called Unfriended. Now, the way it's done this, um, it's not so much found footage; it's the fact that it mirrors what is predominantly, well. Most people, especially you know the the younger generation now, their lives it's all it's all based on screen. The whole and this sound I'm gonna I'm gonna explain it a little bit, and it may well sound a bit crap as I'm sure you'll agree, Ramrod, because mm. we both thought this. Um, the whole of the movie it's it's 83 minutes. It's all based on as if you were looking at a computer screen. So it's all on this one computer screen. So this one person, they've got up, as you know, the generations now do, they've got like Facebook open, they've got Messenger, they've got Skype, um, they open up like chat roulette. So there's all these different tabs open up um, on their computer screen. And they're clicking between them all. And they're typing to each other. So you'll see people typing. So there's a lot of text on screen. Then it'll cut to, okay, so they go to like video Skype. Um, then it'll cut back to Messenger. And it'll go back to this, that, and the other. It never moves from that. You don't sort of see um, the real world as it is. It's all via this one shot looking at a computer screen. Now... When I read that, and I think I'm safe in saying this for you, Ramrod, we thought, fucking hell, can you do that? You, you know, you're going to get bored within so long. And admittedly, it's not a long running time. You know, it's 83 minutes. Fucking hell. It's so tense. Um, because we can all relate to it. I know we're all, you know, all of us now, you know, we're all older. Some more older than others, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um but no matter how old you are, if you you know you're sort of within the times, you know smartphones are locked to you. A lot of your life now is locked into online, whether you like it or not. Um, but through watching this, the way that it's edited, um, I think they should get kudos for it to hold your attention like it does just through looking at this one computer screen. Mm. Takes some doing, uh, and the tension that's generated with it as well um, again is kudos to the storytelling and the way that it's all put together because there's certain scenes in this and I know Ramrod I'm going to leave it to you in a minute um, while I go and get your beer that no one will know about um, <laughs> <laughs> better get it because I'm fucking counting I, on I know um, th there's certain scenes and that w we said one in particular which is due, due to an, uh, a device that you put plug into the electrics oh jeez you I I swear you watch this and do the usual th if you're gonna watch a horror film you know turn out the lights turn up the sound a little bit on more than one occasion you will jump out of your skin on more than one occasion you will find yourself gripping the arms of the couch and like pushing yourself back into it because you're going fucking hell fucking hell no 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 and how that how that can be done just through this one thing of looking at a computer screen 
is I think this is going to kick off a whole new genre uh, which you know a year from now we'll probably talk about it and go oh god this has been done to death by now but I think it's it's a really good spin on what started out as the found footage genre but this is the first one that's gone to I don't know what we'd call it like life through a screen genre because that's what we're all living right now uh, and we can all we can all relate to it and it fucking hell mate jump jump yeah. I know you you came over at Ramrod didn't you and you you know I watched it first I told you about it then you watched it and you come back and you were telling me stories about what happened when you watched it and it was just like amazing wasn't it me, me and Zoe put it on and uh, you know because the, f- the first thing you see is just like the screen of this teenage kid's laptop this is probably the hardest sell you could ever have to do with a movie because it sounds absolutely shit when you're saying it do you know what I mean now these found footage movies I've watched uh, The Gallows recently in uh, the cinema and this was one of these found footage movies and it was an absolute bag of tits it was shit of the highest order so when unfriended i read the synopsis i thought oh it's through a computer screen how the hell is that going to be entertaining but i don't know whether it's going to be more of an anomaly i don't know like dave's saying it's going to be the start of something Mm, it might be the end of something more than anything because i think with these found footage movies we are We've seen so many of them. I mean, can you think of any, Chris, that you actually really loved found footage films? I mean, it's got the, the Blair Witch, which, uh, you know, I, I liked. Um, I, I thought it, it creeped me out, put it like that. And um, I'm, I'd never watched it at the cinema, but I watched it on DVD back in the mm. day. And I really, I really liked it. Um, I can't think of many... Sort of like there's uh, was it paranormal activity that yeah. was that was kind of one the first one which kind of creeped me out. I haven't seen any of the others, I must admit, but I can't think of many that, that sort of like you know, of, of do you know what I mean? That kind of get like, you. Why would you? You know, yeah. that's a great horror movie. I think you know when they get like a niche in Hollywood, they they, they just run with it until it's dead, don't they? And they murder it. And the thing with Unfriended is. I had no... When I saw it advertised, I thought, oh, fucking hell, through a computer. But because, like like Dave says, like a snapshot of now, um, it's like in Terminator Genesis where they show everybody walking around on their mobile phones like zombies. You don't realise literally everybody does do that. If you look down any high street in any country, that's what everybody's doing. And everybody literally lives their life now through a laptop screen. And the way that the, the main character we're focusing on is this one girl. And it's kind of like about a video that went viral about one of their friends who committed suicide. Now, the, I don't know what this is really weird because me and Zoe watched it. We were mortified watching it because you're so engrossed in it. Do you remember like the catfish documentary, which was like, I don't know if you've seen the catfish. They've done the TV I've, show. I've heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. And this documentary is really like, uh, like sort of a cautionary tale of how modern technology can really fuck you over. But this is done, it's almost like a J-horror, you know, like a great, like the ring, yeah. the grudge, you know. I miss J-horror. They don't really fucking do it anymore, do they? They had a spate of just being the, there and then they got remade into like, you know, American films and stuff like that. And it was just like, I don't know if the, if the, they dropped off a little bit. I just, it's. It's weird. Would you say that Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer is like kind of a, one of those fan footage? Mm. Or not? It's been a few years since I've watched it, so I can't really rem- remember it. I remember it, it's it's fucking that's a scary fucking. That thing. is that was one of like the first. 
I don't know, like fan footage, but it was like realism in it. Yeah. Where it's not some guy's POV while he's coming through your window. It's like I'm. We are just like bent in the head, and we're murderers. <laughs> I just remember <laughs> them sitting there watching the footage of them, you know, doing this home invasion. Oh, it's awful oh, that scene. But and the... he starts he starts wanking off, doesn't he? One of them. Oh, but there's that bit in, in um, Man Bites Dog, and my, my abiding memory of that is where, it, like, say, he takes this kind of film crew um, mm. to this old woman, and he's like being really nice to her from memory. As I say, it's been fucking 20 years since I watched this film. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he just turns and he gives her like a heart attack or something. And he's like laughing and joking about it. It's it's chilling stuff. It is horrible shit. It's, but that's because, I think it's because it's the first time you've ever seen it in like a real sort of context without any lighting or anything like that. It's just a guy going up to another person doing something horrible. And that's why Henry Porter of a series, because it's good that you mention that because it does show kind of old school sort of this is the first we've got a VHS camera and we're going to film us doing it and then now we're here in 2015 and we're watching literally a laptop screen as this J-horror supernatural thing unravels in front of you. Yeah. The, horror, the horror is there because even like as early as this morning I had a missed call on my mobile phone, right? And I've had this number phone me a couple of times. Now, there's horror in itself because first thing is who is this person? How have they got my number? Yeah. The second is, what do they want? And the third is, do they want to kill me? <laughs> <laughs> That's normally how I feel. So even today, just seeing an anonymous number phone my mobile phone is scary enough in today's world because you know how people use modern technology to fuck with you. Yeah. I'll I tell you what, and it's not even that hard. We recently found out, you know, through one thing or another, if you go to... 192.com or wherever it is .co.uk you just got to type somebody's name in and all you got to do is pay a few pound and you've got access to their address where they are who their spouse is who their partner is who their kids are it's fucking scary how easily you can get hold of you know that kind of information do you know what I mean it really is how easy it is It's, it's just oh man it really is. So. That's horrible. I did not know that was a fucking actual thing. It, Please stop gotta, telling. Stop telling people about that. No, you got you've got to fill a form in to get rid of your shit off that site. You oh my know. god, I had no idea. For, for every address that you can are connected to, you know, you've got to fill in a form for each one. It's scary shit. Uh, now that to me, right, and I'm not scared of. Well, I'm scared of most things. I'll be honest, I'm scared of most things. But the fact that somebody in this day and age can just get your details that easily. But I think it was not long ago that our fucking home phone numbers were in a book in every phone box. Oh, God, yeah. Mm. So it's weird, isn't it, when you think that's scary now. But back in them days, there wasn't the fear of online attacks and all this. But now, you know, it can make you ram your face into a blender, as we see in uh, Unfriended. (laughs) 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 The, The scares do come. And the, the tension does build because once, and, and I think, you know, maybe it's aimed at like a teen audience, this movie, but anybody that uses modern technology oh, and yeah. certainly, you know, we've got retrospective ways of seeing how it's taken over our lives now. Yeah. This is a scary movie and brilliantly done. You know, fair, like Dave said, you know, fucking kudos to the people that came up with it. It was brave because yeah. it could have fallen flat on its ass. But when the scares come, they're in a little tiny square in a window, somebody else's Skype picture mm. or somebody else's video. Um, the good marketing thing they did, Zoe started digging around online just after we watched it and she found all the stuff they look at 
in this movie is online as if it's real. Oh, that's great. Like A bit like the Blair Witch did as well. I was gonna, just going to yeah, say that. It's, it's just like that, did. isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah like they, they created a fucking phenom- phenomenon around yeah. that. You know. Yeah, they created everything, they, didn't they? They played them. And that still states to this day that people no, say that, oh, Blair Witch isn't scary. That bit where he's standing at the end and he's oh, facing the, end the fucking shot. wall. Fucking hell, yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. It is. And like now we said, with, you know, with Skype and everything, just like looking now at, at your Skype picture, Chris, you know, with your vampire fangs. If I was to turn around now and you're behind me with them, I'd, just... I'd shoot a load on him. <laughs> what are you doing, Ramrod? All I heard then was just like, are you trying to like sneakily... <laughs> No. Let's draw back the curtain because Dave, you, know. you were so discreet. You were. I mean, I, I barely forgot that you were there. Or remember, you know. I did. I did sneak downstairs, and I did, as, as you can hear now, I brought oh. crisps and beer up to Ramrod. And if you were trying to drink and eat quietly, then as I was talking to Chris, what? all we heard was you fucking around with the microphone. I know what you mean. <laughs> I haven't got any crisps. Well, I'm not being funny, right? Thank you. <laughs> oh no, but seriously, though, come on. He's now supplied supplied with Cobra and Pringles, everybody. Ooh, another bottle of King Cobra. No, no, this is normal Cobra. I thought it, uh, it would compliment the King Cobra he's just had. I've just taken in a big bottle of normal Cobra. Oh, tell everybody, Dave, how you fucking feed me beer, Dave. Yeah, I'm an tell en- everybody I'm why an I'm an enabler. alcoholic, Dave. An enabler. I'll just feeder. Like, yeah, feed. that's it. <laughs> I Feet. reap the rewards of um, what happens to him after he's had a drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fucking news to me. You get that cheesy breath already after them pickles, <laughs> after your fucking dirty balls have been in me mouth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh. now. Honest to God. Uh, speaking of unfriended, it's going to happen to you if you carry on, Dave. <laughs> nah, not after these Pringles, mate, honestly. I wish they were fresher foods, bought scratchings. Yeah. <laughs> They're the best snack you can I, enjoy when you listen to a podcast. I would have brought some up, but because I was in a rush, um, Pringles were on the table, so I grabbed them. How fast did that lift get you down the stairs then, though? <laughs> it took it. I tell you what, mate, modern Fairly. day st- st- <laughs> stair lifts are great. If, if you like, flick the Man. turbo button on them, you can get down stairs really quickly. Get down stairs. Did you have a few shots while you were down there? No. <laughs> Anyway, as we were saying, Unfriended is a very good J-horror callback. Um, Again, probably no fucker's going to bother with this film when it comes out because it's going to disappear with the slew of all the other bullshit you see in Asda living at the moment. I mean, I'm sick of going into Asda and looking at the DVDs and picking up six different brand new horror movies which all say it's the best horror movie of the year and I know it's not. That's a lie. Mm. But this is possibly one of the best most effective horror movies typically because of what it, how you view the movie it, it, you know watch this film i know it sounds shit everybody but really give it a chance because yeah. you'll shit your pants and you'll you'll be very scared of uh, people that shit themselves in public <laughs> <laughs> that's all i'm saying now i know I, listeners we have been talking for over two hours now about movies i know i'm all done but I know we've got some more movies to talk about before we go on to uh, anything else. So over to you guys to sort of... What other movies do you want to talk about before we go on to like video games, TV, etc.? Uh, go, go, Chris. I've got fucking loads. Do it. <laughs> do it, because I know... We both know you've watched so many great ones. So go on. Go on, Chris. Okay. Dive in. So let's get 
Well, let's talk about Electric Boogaloo, the wild and told story of Canon Films. Just a little bit. Um, so this is a documentary uh, about uh, people will from the 80s um, and possibly into the early 90s and maybe before that will remember the Canon logo. You know, when you watch, when people rented films from the video store or shop, they would get that Canon logo. It would just kind of like come together and you knew that you were in for a good time, depending on what kind of movie you were into. Now, so this is about uh, Menham Golan <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Yaram Globus. Um, so I wanted to make sure I got the Menham. <laughs> you got together. <laughs> sort of like back of your throat. So it's like a Welsh thing, I guess. You, go, <laughs> you know, but um, no. So this is, you know, I, I'm old enough to sort of like remember that the, the canon were a big deal back in the day. Now, I haven't seen every canon film going, so I, I can't profess to say I'm an expert on them at all by any stretch of the imagination. But for me, canon meant entertainment back in the 80s. You know, I've only got to look at some of their back catalogue of some of the movies that they did that, you know, your Kickboxer, Cyborg, the American Ninja movies, Bloodsport, even Masters of the Universe. Now, I love Masters of the Universe. I remember watching it as a kid over and over again, just loving it. Just thought it was great. You know, Dolph Lundgren, uh, even Cobra, I think, was done by um, by Canon. Uh, you got the Death Wish movies. You know, they were a big thing. And this is kind of like their story. Well, uh, without including them, because I think they've since gone on to do their own documentary uh the go-go boys it says at the end anyway that they've kind of like done their thing um (laughs) (laughs) nice (laughs) well i filled i filled one pot you'll be pleased to know do you want do you want want to give the listeners an insight to what's happening right now chris just to via uh, skype chat Yes, I've got two, right, because so I'm drinking, right, and it goes right through me. So I, what the hell am I going to do? We've got one toilet, and we, we do this in pretty much one take. So I've got my daughter's two potties uh, right next to me. Have <laughs> you used one? And I filled one of them. <laughs> you subtle bastard. <laughs> I've filled one already. So I've got one left. Um, but anyway. Happened? At what point did you do that? Because it's yeah. a fucking thing. Well, at the beginning, there's like half an hour into it. I start, I, I kind of stifled the giggle because I thought like you could hear the pissing. So <laughs> you giggle while you piss. Well, I thought, oh my god, you're gonna hear me weeing, but still, nobody heard me piss just then, did they? Fucking hell, everybody does it. Not into your hands, no. <laughs> Oh, I, just, I, I just got a dribble. It's fucking pitch black in here, though. I'll be honest with you. I, I'm lucky I got it in the bottle at all. Actually, it's probably all over the floor. That, that moment when you're recording a podcast and you get a Skype chat message saying, I just pissed on my hand. <laughs> I, it wasn't a lot, so it's managed to rub off on my jeans. So we're all right. Good to go. So this, this, I mean, I've, I've been intrigued by this because I'm, I'm a big fan of Canon, you know, from back in the day. And having thought about it for like, so I watched it a couple of nights ago and thinking about it, it's look these, these two dudes, right, from Israel, they were kind of like wheeler dealers, you know, they wanted to be part of the big time. And what came across in the documentary was that they, you know, they were... You know, they wanted to be part of this this big time Hollywood thing, but they were they put out shit movies, a lot of shit movies. And the people that kind of did the, the talking heads talked that they seem to be more sort of like um, 
I wouldn't say sort of like I'm not looking for reverence towards them because of what they were, you know, because they were like you know used car salesmen. The way that's the way it came across, but the, it's sort of like you know like taking the piss. This is the way they did things, and there was a small amount of like you know okay, they they may not have been the best movie makers in the world or the best producers in the world, but they got the job done and they got movies made. You know, if you look at the you know every month they got a canon movie out, you know, which is unprecedented. I think they said it one year they got like seventy eighty movies out, which is just mental you know and i think a lot of the sort of like contributors to it were pretty snarky about what went on i mean like i said i haven't seen every canon film so i can't comment on everyone but the ones i saw i knew i was in for some fun and entertainment so i kind of like have a special place in my so i would recommend that people watch this i haven't seen the go-go boys i would like to i'm assuming it's going to be more about them as people they got huge they got huge egos have you seen that i haven't seen it yet no yeah. So, but I liked it, and then plus it's got loads of footage. And I think you said, Rambrod, when you've watched this, you will go out and you will seek every fucking canon film that you can sort of like look at. And it's Hell got yeah. Bo Derek in it. Bo Derek is fit as fuck even today. She's <laughs> still really, really hot. And and because they did that movie Bolero, and I remember watching the trailer for that. And the trailer, this is something else. I know we've done a lot of reminiscing and talking about eighty stuff and whatever, but watching trailers on VHS. Fuck, they were an event in themselves. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I'll put that that video up of um, on Instagram of like flicking through like a, an old video game manual. Fuck, you know you don't <laughs> do that these days. You know it's just it's a lost art. But seek that out. It's great. Uh, movies. Here we go. I, I'm going to go th- sort of like fucking hell for leather. So I'll go for straight in for Gone Girl. So oh, it's been a few weeks since I watched this. So from uh, memory david fincher uh ben affleck rosamund pike didn't know massive amounts about the story based on a very uh well-received book and uh ben affleck his wife rosamund pike goes missing and it's all sort of like set up that he's killed her or something he's done something bad to her now i'm not going to say anything to spoil the film because it is fucking a brilliant film and it's really well worth watching but this i mean it's a long film it's about two and a half hours long um it's amazingly well shot as you imagine david fincher is just you know brilliant back on form um not that he lost his form you know social network is amazing i love that uh as i mentioned last time didn't really like benjamin button that much but you know my own personal taste whatever but fincher is an amazing director um just brilliant performances Ben Affleck is fantastic. Rosamund Pike is incredible. You know, absolutely incredible. Tyler Perry as the lawyer is fantastic as well. It's just I didn't know what to expect with this film. I just it did so many twists and turns. It just I mean and it's it's so like kind of like uh, in some ways authentic in terms of like a lot of the sex and stuff like that you know when they're sort of like they're, they're just like Rosamund Pike is fit I mean if, if oh, you oh yes if you watch her in Jack Reacher she's got I mean as I said about Jane Goldman but Rosamund Pike fucking kicks her ass in the boob stakes oh, oh. <laughs> I oh, love interesting I, oh, Rosamund Pike I don't know she's there's something about her she's because the first time I saw her in anything I think was uh, the Bond movie Die Another Day which eh but uh, and then she was in that um, Ricky Gervais movie a little bit. She like did a piece in that. Oh, it's set about his childhood in Reading. Fuck. 
Oh, uh, Cemetery Junction. Cemetery Junction, which I really like. Good film, yeah. Yeah, really like that. Um, She's kind of like got a bit of a part in that, but she's when she's gone to Hollywood and stuff like that. I think she's a very good actress, and um, she's fit as well. She's an English rose. Yes, she really is. Yeah. She's got lovely in uh, in World's End with uh, you know Edgar Wright's fucking amazing booze movie. Yes, she she's great in that as well, and she she kind of always is Rosamund Pike, even when she's American or British. She's always got that thing about her. She's there's her and Emily Blunt. Oh, oh Emily Blunt. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> if, if you had to pick one, who would you pick? Um, I don't know. Hayley Atwell's up there as well. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. There's we've got some <laughs> very fruitful young women out there in Hollywood at the moment. But I don't know, something about Emily Blunt in Edge of Tomorrow, where she's slaying people with a sword um, and taking the piss out of Tom Cruise. Oh, man, she is. She's got it. And um, the five-year engagement is a fucking brilliant film. Chris Pratt as well. Yeah, fat Chris Pratt, my (laughs) favourite. I pick Chris Pratt. I'll be honest, I pick Chris Pratt over all them bitches. I would too as well. Oh. He, he'd make me laugh and he'd ruin my bum. <laughs> Chris Pratt. Oh. But hey. Gone Girl, it's a great film. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Chris Pratt. <laughs> what about the what about Ben Affleck's um, bit on the side in oh. She's that bird out of the Robin uh, what's his name video, you know the the yes. this blurred lines. I can't even remember his fucking name. Him but, and Pharrell uh, and all them and that's it's it. Bird and she's got she gets a massive bangers out in it and it's like Jesus Christ no wonder you're cheating on your wife <laughs> <laughs> even if she is Roseman Pike yeah she's she's fit as well that's what happens when you're Batman though isn't it but and he's bolts up a lot in that I mean he's quite a big dude in um you can see where he's kind of I'm guessing you know he's getting into you know his sort of Batman uh, shtick um oh. but there's just I mean like there's a bit where <laughs> He goes down on her, and you don't see that in films very often, do yeah. you? I remember, do you remember in Basic Instinct when Michael oh. Douglas went down on Sharon Stone, and you had to look away because you'd never really seen that in your life before? <laughs> but he is. He's fucking going hell for leather, and she's loving it. But... Oh, she would fucking love it as well, I think. <laughs> <laughs> she would love it. English Rose. Psh. Welcome, to, welcome to Wales. I'd love it if Ben Affleck went down on me as well, but still. Yeah. <laughs> it's Batman fake with his Batman cowl on. Yes. See how big he is now since he's. Did you see that men's health picture he did a couple of months back? He's I... put on about fucking 20 ton of muscle. <sighs> he's fucking massive. He looks bigger than Scott Adkins, literally. He's veins and sinew. It's and... crazy. Oh, fucking come on. Um. <laughs> <laughs> What the one thing I, I wanted to mention about Gone Girl was the soundtrack as well, the score, not the soundtrack. I oh, say. please, please do, please. Uh, talking about one of my heroes, Trent Reznor. You know what can you say? Nine Inch Nails. Uh, Love, fuck, some of the stuff that he put out. I, when I was going out clubbing, and um, Dave, this is going to be mean nothing to you. I'd imagine you, you know it's it's <laughs> industrial bullshit. Yeah. You know it's it's going to offend your ears, but you know some amazing tunes. Um, Especially connected to the crow as well and stuff like that. But um, anyway, um, yeah, it's a brilliant sound. It's score, you know. It, it, he did the Social Network as well. And looking at it, he did a Quake, a video game. 
back in the late 90s. Uh, he did Call of Duty game, uh, called Black Ops 2. Uh, he's, he doesn't look like he's in his 50s. I think he's in his early 50s. He's, he's, he's fucking. Uh, I've got a nine-inch nails tattoo on my body. Uh, I'm a fucking just so much respect for him as a musician. He's a genius. Yeah. So, but yeah, great, great stuff. Um, right, here we go. So, oh, fuck me. I mean, where do we start with these films? We could talk about them all night, but I know it's the got... sixty minutes with movie special. Oh, fuck, no, your ga- fuck your games off tonight. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to yeah. be fair, all I've got is Goat Simulator and fucking I Am Bread. Yeah, I think we should, we'll carry we'll carry everything else over until the next one. Let, yeah. We'll keep this one about movies because we got Fucking... it seems like we got so much to talk about movie wise. So let's keep this so one. many movies. Movies only on this one, I think. And a yeah. fucking goat simulator, anyway. But still, it is <laughs> it is fun. But still, right? Fucking hell! What what we do in the shadows? Oh, you mentioned this oh. way back when. I think it was last year when we first started doing the show, it was and an I had, early one, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'd never watched it. This film is amazing. Now, this, not a, fil- a found footage film, but one of those documentary-type films where it's like, you know, a camera crew following around these kind of different uh, vampires from eight, the ages. They're based on, you know, Bram Stoker's Dracula, you sort of like Nosferatu, uh, you know, this sort of, this, um, not Scorsese, the... Um, Oh, dude, what was the uh, the Gary Oldman type Dracula? Uh, Coppola. Coppola, mm. that's it, yeah. And and it's just absolute. And then, man, I can't say enough good things about this film. It is so funny, <laughs> you know. It, it's 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 by the people who um, oh, what who did uh, Flight of the Concords, which I've never watched. I have to confess, I've never watched any of that. But I have watched Eagle versus Shark. Uh, which I like a lot, and it's it, New Zealand take on vampires, and 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 I I think you described it back in the day, and of like it's like what Shaun of the Dead did for zombie films, this does for vampire films. Yeah, it's it's one of the best comedies I've seen in a long time. I I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I I loved it. You know, we're we're not. What was it? We're we're werewolves, not scare wolves. You know. <laughs> I think they're going to do a follow-up with yeah, based, yeah, yeah. based sequ- around the yeah. werewolves. Yeah, it has. It's been greenlit, hasn't it? A sequel. But the the guy who plays Viago, uh, Viago or whatever his name is, oh, fuck, and it's like Peter, I bought you a chicken and all this. <laughs> oh, it's, his role is so beautifully played, isn't it? Because he's got that tragic love story as well. It's got so much good shit in it, and again, it's another one of these films that you've got to tell people to watch. Yeah. yeah. Which is such a shame. I'd have never heard of it unless it was for you guys, and it's so brilliant. It's not even it's not not even an hour and a half long. It's I'd recommend people watch this. It's absolutely stunning, and I can't believe that you know it hasn't been a bigger hit than you know it it should be massive. It should be massive. But um, okay, so moving on then, I've watched such a wide range of movies. We watched Pride. Um, Now this. Is um, set in 1984 about, and it's kind of like gay activists and the minor strike. And I know this has got close ties to yourselves. Mm. Um, and it, it's, we seem to be, you know, in this country, we seem to, we've got such a rich history. And I think we seem to be able to make these type of films which have such drama and comedy 
and I think this is part of the, the, the British sensibility. You know, it's like we we can that that I wouldn't call it gallows humor because there's not gallows humor in this. But uh, you know, I'm listening to this kind of uh, podcast, and it's all about that set in World War One. You know, and how they had this gallows humor because you have to fucking laugh at horrible situations. I'd say, I think that's a really good way of putting it is gallows humor because that's really. That spot on that is for what this film is. You know, you, you, th- there was such awful tragedy that was going on in terms of violence, people being starved, people not having any money, and 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 you know, making the most of what you've got. And I think that that's something that's missing from. I'm going to get on my soapbox. Something that's missing from today's society a little bit that the people expect things. You know, people want things mm. instead of actually, you know, not. Where's the hardship, you know, and 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 working for something, you know, and sort of like n- not being entitled to something, you know, and 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 this has got such a brilliant cast, you know, and again, it's one of those films. I'd heard it described as one of the feel-good films, and, it, and don't get me wrong, it, it is feel-good, and I laughed a lot of the time through this. I cried a lot of the time mm. through this as well. It's one of those films that it does. I can't think of many films where it's sort of like you you, you have that sort of sense of uh, how can I put it? Like uh, elation to sort of like what's going on, but also that sense of there's a bit in the in they go to this working men's club. So the story is you now these kind of like you know the gays who are, a lot of the gays are persecuted. This is around the time that AIDS was becoming aware, you know, people becoming aware of AIDS and that horrible advert, you know, with this tombstone kind of crashing down, you know, AIDS. And I remember that when I was mm. a kid and watching that on the TV, and it's fucking horrible. Um, and and sort of like you know the, 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 these gay people wanting to help the the other people that were being sort of persecuted around the time you know the the, the miners and all the awful things that they went through back in the day and it's about these two kind of communities that aren't accepted and to to sort of become together you know be put, become part in the you know part of even the most stringent uh, you know people within this community accepting these like outcasts, you know, these other people who are, are being persecuted, I guess, to a certain extent. And it's just beautiful the way it's played out. Absolutely beautiful. But it's not a feel good movie in a lot of places. It's I like there's a bit where it's, like I said, they're in the working men's club and the the women just start singing this song and, and ev- everybody just stops. And any and, and they're crying and I'm fucking crying, you know, and it's just like, wow. You know, it's a it, it's a powerful film you know but then there's a bit where um you you get um mentioned him earlier on from uh punisher warzone dominic west and he starts dancing and then yeah, there's a good scene in it these hardcore sort of like welsh miners like will you teach me how to dance you know <laughs> fuck it's brilliant you know it's such a brilliant film you know it's it, I love it. I absolutely loved it. And at the end, when they do all that sort of stuff about, you know, this is what happened to these people and everything yeah. else. And and especially the, the guy who's um, is the photographer, you know, and he's, he's going like doing the cookery course and everything else. And he's kind of like, he's not sure of his own sexuality at that stage because he's, what, 20? Um, and then seeing him go through his journey and everything else. And then Bill Nighy. I love Paddy Considine. I think he's an amazing mm. actor. I think he's absolutely stunning. You know, Dead Man's Shoes uh, is a fucking brilliant film. they uh, got some good Shane uh, Meadows alumni in there because you've got him yeah. and then you've got um, Woody from This Is England is in it as well, isn't he? That's right, um, yeah. But Bill Nighy's character in that because he's the old school um 
he's the very Welsh, he's very sombre, you know, very quiet. But he has a couple of moments in Pride, and he brought me to tears with some of the speeches he gives. And you know, he he doesn't have many big moments in it, but he has a lot of quiet moments, mm-hmm. and those were the ones that really resonated. I remember being very little in the union office in Wrexham when my dad was a miner on strike and I was there with my mum and uh, my sister Jenny uh, eating fish and chips with all the other kids. You know, so watching a film like this, Brassed Off's another one that goes hand in hand yeah. with it. Yeah. You know, and it's, you know, I remember it. You know, I was only a boy, but fuck me, those were hard times all around and it's nice that they can make a film like this and to support the gay movement as well, which a lot of people have gone, nah, nobody gives a fuck about that. But yeah, I give a fuck about it. Yeah. It's great. Films like Milk, you know, with Sean Penn, yeah. great, great movies. These men didn't give a fuck what anybody thought of them. And rightly so. And they were there and they helped these other men who were having hard times. It's beautiful, mm. heartbreaking film. And it, like you say, the history we've got is so rich. People should watch these movies. But again, nobody will watch them. Oh, I know. Because they're not in the fucking IMAX. That's it. It's so <laughs> annoying, isn't it? That's why. Yeah. And I remember, you know, I was, you know, obviously living in, in England at the time, and it was like, it was big news, you know, all about the Welsh miners' strike at that time. But then now, with like being with Tina, and, you know, I watched it with her, and she was, I think, 20 at the time this was going on, and she was telling me, you know, all stories to do with, you know, her and you, Ramrod, and, you, you know, other sister Jenny at the time and what was going on um, fuck you know it really hit home you know about what was going on in Wales at that time and it's people need to watch this you know it, it may be like what 30 years ago now but yeah. you know it you know it's history repeats itself you've got to learn from stuff that goes on like this and like you said Chris you know you watch this it's what it's one of those rare movies that you watch it you'll laugh you'll cry you'll get nostalgic it, it just it hits so many emotions while you're watching it yeah, yeah. Good movie, it, man it's it's you no know, sort of like fist pumping moments as well you know yeah. and i don't want to say it, you know just like you're thinking fuck i'm just thinking to the end of it now yeah. and it's just like yeah you know what fucking hell that's 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 spot on those um okay so my last two movies then um and again ugh, <laughs> wow um so whiplash <laughs> oh um <laughs> this this must be the third or fourth mention whiplash has had since we started recording it is that good <sighs> we've, and, all, we've all discovered it at different times haven't we and every one of us have gone holy shit this is amazing <laughs> Yeah, before, and before you say anything, Chris, I'll just say I think it's the best movie Martin Scorsese never made. That's literally how good I think it is. Yeah. It. it, it okay. So it, it, I've I jokingly described this as this is the best film you're going to see about drumming ever. <laughs> now it, it's <laughs> it's not even really about drumming. It, it, I think you described it as it's like a sports movie. Yeah. And and that's what it is now. Um. The the guy who plays uh, the young kid Andrew Miles Teller is fantastic, and I think you said way back when is that y- you you would think that he's a drummer, you know, that the, what he puts himself through, where his hands are literally bleeding, you know, because he's talented, but 
you know, you've got this uh, coach, for, a, for lack of a better word, you know, the, the teacher, J.K. Simmons, who's like pushing him to his limits, pushing him and pushing him and pushing him. Now, you could say, is he bullying him? Is he sort of like, you know, he's, he's a, a real horrible, nasty piece of work. And he just, he demonstrates that, you know, he's like, he's almost like um, the drill instructor from Full Metal Jacket, you know, it's, it's exactly that kind of... how I see him. There's Ali yeah. Ermey in Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, Ali Ermey, yeah, it's just like verbally abusing them, putting them down, making them feel low. making. But it's all about, you know, pushing him. He sees something in this kid. Now, we've mentioned it, I've mentioned it a number of times, Oz. It's no surprise to me that, that J.K. Simmons can play a role like this because Vern Schillinger from Oz, the neo-Nazi leader in the, in this prison it's like that's this is what he he did you know it's almost like in sometimes some of the show you're sympathetic towards him because there's a bit in whiplash where he's sort of saying you know um somebody he taught died and then there's other things mm. that are going on and it's like he kind of you know when he talks to andrew in the corridor and he's like saying oh you know you've got a real talent you know but then he fucks him up you know he puts him on that spot you know he's like no you're shit you know and he really rips into him and you know, but he kind of like builds him up to knock him down and everything else. The climax of this movie is just something else altogether. I just, I can't even express in, into words how good it is. It's just so, you know, the the last 15 minutes of the film, these two guys, you know, kind of like gladiators, sort of like fighting against each other. It's just something incredible. It's, mm. you know, J.K. Simmons is something else. And I've got to give props to Miles Teller. Not seen him in anything. I know he's in the Fantastic Four movie, which has just got panned. But, um, yeah, I, it, it's all about J.K. Simmons for me. I think it's just, it's just such an amazing performance. And, and rightly so, he got... Um, an, an Oscar for this performance because it's it, it's an amazing performance yeah. and it's it's an amazing film you know it really is and it's like people saying like Ben said on the show the other day he's like mm, I don't know if I fancy it but seriously my, I watched it with Kay my wife and she really liked it as well and it, you know she's got different tastes to me altogether but it's just mind blowing it's a, it's it a is, beast yeah. isn't it it is this seems to be sort of like a theme. Um, for quite a few movies that we've talked about in this episode, that if you were just to read the synopsis for it, you'd go, no, that's not really sort of my bag. But they're fucking amazing. You know, we've, we, you know, we've talked about so many you know, movies tonight that are like, you have to watch. Whereas if you just read it online of what it was about, you'd probably just pass over them, wouldn't you? Which mm. which, which is it's quite annoying, you know, in in this day and age where like, superhero CGI heavy movies dominate the box office there's so many other ones out there that you need to seek out and watch because they're brilliant and I've got to I've got to finish off with this my final film which and again I've been thinking about it ever since I've it's finished you know about <laughs> about three or four days ago and it's it follows and it's again you talked about this um, <sighs> oh my god Ugh, Chris, what's that behind Don't you? Don't look behind you. Now, <laughs> looking at IMDb, not that I give a fuck about what's on IMDb, but this has got a 6.9 out of 10. Now, That's ridiculous. I'm just thinking, <laughs> this is absolutely crazy. Now, you know, like I said, I like 
you know, sometimes listening to Mark Kermode, I can take him or leave him, but I leave him most days. But, you know, this is one of his favourite films of 2014. Um, this... And I've heard a lot of people say that they didn't like this film. And again, I think yeah, it's with, with yeah. the Babadook, um, people saying it's they didn't like it, they didn't get it. It's it's very slow. It's very slow paced. The it follows is one of the best horror films I've seen in years. Yes. Yes. And the reason being because it reminded me a lot of all the classic horror films I've seen, such as A Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween. You know. And but it it brings its own story and things to the table, and it it's amazingly you know uh, people said it's, uh, it said it was like um, like, like tweeny or teeny, and I'm like I don't think I agree with that. I don't you know it's kind of like you, these these kids they are going through their own kind of like adolescence. You know they're discovering sex. And at that time in your life, and you think, you know, and I think Tina wrote a brilliant review, which I've gone back and reread because having now seen the film, I can actually kind of like see what she was coming, where she was coming from. Mm-hmm. And it is that sort of like, you know, teenagers having sex. It's, you know, in, in terms of cinema, it's like, an, it's, it's, it's there, you know, teenage, they even like referenced it in Scream, teenagers have sex, they die. And that's kind of where this comes from to a certain extent. But there are certain, there are certain, the score itself, it, it's like, uh, and again, I think Tina referenced it. It's like almost like John Carpenter could have done this score. It's yeah. it's it's 80s in its theme, its synth. I love that. I, I think it's fantastic. It is a slow burn, but it's terrifying when it needs to be. Now, there are some terrifying moments in this film. You know, it's not shock horror. It's not schlock horror. It's not torture porn. It's, it is a classic throwback to those t- movies which i've talked about which you know if you look at halloween now it's it's not gore it's it's slow in its build up in its pace and it slowly reveals you know you know as the film goes on kind of like the, the horrifying aspects of this this thing this killer and i i'm still thinking about the ending now that it to me is the, the sign of a good movie i'm thinking about this film and because I, I, I don't want to spoil it, but I almost want to talk to you about what you think about it and how you feel <laughs> it ends. That final shot, it's like fucking Inception. You know, it's like, is, you know, I, I don't want to say it because I don't, people, I don't want to spoil it, but it, it, it's like, it, is it or isn't it? You know, and I'm like, yeah. oh my God. I, I absolutely loved it. Now, I, you know, as much as I love the Babadook, I think the It Follows is it's more in terms of horror films, you know, in that genre and whatever. I liked It Follows better than I did the Babadook. Um, yeah, I agree with you, mate. And it is um, for this year. It's definitely my favourite horror movie this year, um, and probably one of my favourite horror movies of all time. And we watched it at the cinema. We we now own it on Blu-ray. We haven't watched it on Blu-ray yet, and it's one of those I can't wait to watch it again. But it's one of those movies, and it's it's quite rare nowadays that even though I've, I've only ever watched it once at the cinema, it had that much of an effect on me. I think about it so many times, which was good that you mentioned that as well, Chris, um, because you go, oh shit, it just it's like pops into your mind. It's 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 a slow burner. Um, I guess people, there may be people out there that 
want more out of it the the shots are very languid uh, the soundtrack reflects that as well um but there's there's jump scares in it all i'm going to say is naked man on a rooftop mm-hmm. where you go fucking hell as you're yeah. watching it um, but this stuff happens that really plays on sort of your deepest darkest fears um and yeah, I, I can't wait to watch it again. It's one that I'm definitely going to watch. Um, now we've got it on Blu-ray again. Um, I'm going to watch more than once again and enjoy it every single time because I just, just loved it. And I know, Ramrod, you're the same, aren't you? Uh, do you know what? I don't know if I... I, I haven't watched it since the cinema because uh, me and Zoe went and uh, I was mortified watching it. I <laughs> was were. literally mortified. We because... talked about it, didn't we, when you were uh, Man, on a previous fuck. episode when you were both driving back from the cinema? <laughs> Freaking each other out. So we saw that old guy walking up the street just staring at us on his own and he just stopped as we drove past him. And that's a great thing that horror movies don't do anymore is like literally get under your skin and make you think, what's that noise? What's that thing? Uh, it's weird when I think back on it now because it's got that real ethereal sort of is it real is it just teenage you know you know you've got to fuck someone to get rid of the curse so it's like a it's like some dirty sort of thing you've got to do it's not like Candyman where he appears and he garrots you it's this 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 horrible thing that's put on teenagers like peer pressure yeah. so it, the, the metaphors are all there but the moment it becomes f- a real thing is the 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 scene on the beach where there's a physical presence that nobody can see and it's affecting them that's when the movie turned on its head for me and I went whoa this isn't just like some sort of scare story for teenagers there's something actually really there yeah. but you can't see it and it manifests in the form I'm sure it's a dad the pool scene where that guy's walking around the pool yeah. isn't it the, the, yeah. I'm sure there's a picture in a house of that guy and it's a dad because the parents are absent kind of like Nightmare on Elm Street you never Just... see any of the adults at all no. really the adult I think Tina mentioned it there are no real adults in this film it's all about these kids it's and this is why it rem- it reminded me of Nightmare on Elm Street because in that that's similar. I mean, apart from Nancy's mom, who's a fucking alky, you, you, you know, John, John Saxon. You know, you don't tend to see many adults in that. It's all about the kids. But the reason it reminded me of that was because there's a bit where um, the the guy that she thinks she's made have passed the curse on to, and she's trying. She's calling him. She's frantically calling him. You know, and it's the Johnny Depp scene, you know, it's like, you know, the mm. jo- the Johnny Depp scene, stay awake, please don't go to sleep, you know, and uh, if I fall asleep, you'll come over and you'll knock the fucker out, you know, but then he falls asleep and then he gets swallowed into the bed. It's that kind of scene, you know, and it reminded me so much about, you know, fair play to the guy who directed it, you know, fair play to him, uh, David Robert Mitchell, who's, if you look at his filmography, this is like his third film he's done, mm. you know, and then that's incredible to think that that's the case, you know, it's such um, a brilliant film, and I find, it's a shame, I find it a shame that people don't get it, I do genuinely find it, 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 it don't bother me to the point where I lose sleep over it, but you know, it, it, I think what aren't you getting? What are you missing? What is it that I'm getting that you're not? You know, and I know everybody's got different tastes. I appreciate that. But it's like I'm seeing this and I'm thinking this is one of the best horror films I've seen in a long, long time. The same as The Babadook. And I'm like, people are saying it's shit. 
what do you want? What do you want out of horror film? Yeah. What do you want? Do you know what I mean? There's a time for torture porn. There's a time for you know jump scares and all that bullshit. But this is a something else altogether. It's like a deep film that will stay with you for a long time. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe just no, me. No, I, I agree with you because it does seem to happen a lot. Because I get affected. Because we grew up on fucking horror movies, and you evolve with horror and the way it, it, it's shown to you. This is why we like it. Follows is because we've seen Halloween. Now, if you show Halloween to an audience of fucking fifteen, sixteen-year-olds now, they'll be bored shitless. They probably get off on the stylization, maybe if they're savvy to it. But there's no gore in it, is there? No. And they would be bored. But I, I, I love Halloween. I think it's one of the best horror films ever, 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 ever. And it's, it's got no, boo. Well, it has got a couple of boos, but it's got mm. no, de- you know, deliberate bullshit that you get in so many horror films these days. And there's no gore. And I do love gore, but it follows one will stand the test of time because people will discover it and discover it and discover it because it's so well made. Yeah. It's that suggestion in Halloween. There's a bit where sort of like she's, Laurie's like walking down the road and then she'll turn back. And you will see Michael Myers standing there, but then when she turns around, he's gone. It's brilliant. That's that's perfect horror. And it's like... Was he there or wasn't he there or what the fuck? Is it in my mind? Is it in my imagination? You know, and that is perfect. Like you said, that it's just yeah, like, it's that's, perfect. Hor- that's horror because it's like, and that's why I like the Babadook so much because is it me? Is there something horrible there? Is there some horror there or is it my, is it me going crazy? Mm-hmm. You know, am I seeing things? Am I imag- is it my imagination? And it's, that's, it's, that's what's scary about the dark because your yeah. mind works more than <laughs> than being fucking hit over the head with a, a horror somebody being you know tortured to death you know what i mean it's your mind is more scary than all that bullshit oh yeah totally i always agree with that going back to you know one of my favorite horror films is the changeling you don't see anything in that oh all... don't talk about <laughs> the fucking changeling dave it's all suggested isn't it and you know it's all to do with what might be there in it's the shadows? Yeah. It's anticipation. Or, you it's know, sounds. Yeah, just hinting at, at what might be there. You don't have to show it. And again, you know, like you said, Chris. You know, the viewers today, maybe they want it all just presented on a plate in front of them, and it's this, this, and this. But I always think, no, just leave it to the viewer's mind and let them decide. Well, it might be that there because if you leave it to if you don't show it and you leave it to the viewer, you are going to imagine your worst nightmare mm-hmm. to you personally. So no matter what the filmmakers might think may be your worst nightmare and put on screen, if they leave it to you and your imagination, it, you're going to go, fucking hell, it's that that's there. Instead of them going, it's this. And you're going, oh, well, that's not that scary, really. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that kids these days you can go on live leak and you can watch somebody getting their head fucking chopped off you know you can watch it instantly but if somebody rang their phone 10 times every hour and they never knew who it was <laughs> what would freak them out more yeah you know that guy ringing me this morning 
I was more scared that I I owed somebody money from 20 years ago and he was going to behead me. <laughs> some cartel boss was going to come and get me for some drugs I took a long time ago. Yeah. And that's a suggestion. It's the anticipation of what could be there. And this is why like paranormal activity fucks me up because you don't see what it is, but it's sh- just slammed your bedroom door and yeah. there's nothing you can do about it. And it follows. You don't know if it's real and that motherfucker following him at the end of the film is, like you say, Chris, perfect, perfect horror. Yeah. You know, that and Fatal Attraction, never fuck another crazy woman. (laughs) (laughs) That's the, uh, honest to God, Fatal Attraction is the most purest horror film I can ever think of as a man. I can't promise that, I'm afraid. (laughs) (laughs) I'm scared. Do you know what? I'm sitting in a dark room and you're talking about it falls. I'm a little bit weirded out because I'm, even though I haven't seen it since the cinema, because I think I'm a little bit scared to watch it again because it fucked me up. That massive guy coming through that door. We'll have to watch it together, mate. We'll have to watch it. Um, yeah, let's have a night at yours and watch it in oh, the dark. All right then. Yeah. All right then. Yeah. You're sitting by me. All right. <laughs> um, and again, Chris, in this episode, you know, it's been like you know, movie heavy. Um, well, movie only, more or less. Um, right. But you know, you've been through this great run of movies that you've watched. Uh, and and this is what's one of the, the great things about doing this podcast with both of you is we give each other recommendations, um, movies, video games, television, all of this kind of stuff. And I can't wait to hear what you've got to say about when you watch Copland and when you watch Unfriended. That's going to be another great episode as well. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, because I, I, my life at the moment, you know, I don't get a chance to watch a load of films these days, you know, because of my daughter and everything else. So I'm making a conscious effort. And that's why I'm kind of catching up with a lot of the films that you recommended months and months ago, you know, and I'm kindly, I'm, I'm finally catching up to all that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, it's great. I really do love it. By the way, I found out what the uh, the gang is from Kick-Ass 2, if oh, you're go interested. On, yeah, go on. It's the um, the toxic mega cunts. Hey, <laughs> of course it is. Fuck uh, it up. <laughs> mega cunt. Yeah. I think I used to go out with her. <laughs> is that your well, next tattoo, Ramrod? <laughs> one of the uh, the women from that film as well. One of the good guys is called uh, Night Bitch. So. <laughs> it's so funny. Even though it's simple, it's really funny. Night bitch. <laughs> but no, I do. Yeah, that's what I mean. I've said this before. That's why I love talking about, you know, to you guys about films and stuff like that because it's great. You know, I think we share similar tastes, and uh, you know, we we have. You've seen more stuff than I have, but I think we complement each other. We so do yeah. definitely. Yeah, I mean, I'm you not. Know. I'm not complimenting Dave on anything apart from his beer and his crisps. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. You owe me big time now, mate. That's it. I'll sort you out, baby. You know I always do. <laughs> well, we've been recording. It's well, you know we're getting close to th- three hours now, and we've talked what pri- primarily just about movies. Um, I three did have, hours. I did have notes about video games and television. Um, I'm going to roll those over to the next episode, mm. um, which probably does strengthen the argument for we should record these more than once a month. Um, but we'll, you know we'll get that sorted behind the scenes if if we do. Um, but until then, I think it's now we sh- we should close this episode. Or have we all talked about every movie that we wanted to talk about? Yeah. Well, tomorrow, uh, just quickly, I'm going to go and see Straight Out of Motherfucking Compton, bitch, and I cannot <laughs> fucking wait. Nice. Yeah. There's only that and Star Wars I give a fuck about now. 
Nice. I think, um, yeah, me and Tina are definitely going to watch that as well over the next few days, too. Coming straight out of e Even though I know fuck all about hip-hop music. <laughs> Do your research or it'll make no sense. It's two and a half hours long. It's like the Wolf of Wall Street of black gang music. It's going to be amazing. you got to do is listen to Fuck the Police and, um, yeah, Straight Outta Compton. Just yeah. listen to those on the way there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I can't fucking wait to see it. I'm actually so fucking excited. <laughs> I love them so much. It's going to be amazeballs. Yeah. As long as nobody eats a bag of food next to me, yeah. I will fucking invert him if he does. Yeah, I look forward to your uh, cinema stories, Ramrod. I'll fucking rape him if he's... This is <laughs> I am telling you now, John Cena in in uh, that train wreck threatens a guy in the cinema to rape him if he keeps and talking. And lick his ass. He says, do you know what I... Do? You're an asshole. Do you know what I do with assholes? I lick them. And... <laughs> Fueling the fire for why John Cena may be gay in that movie, but I will fuck somebody's face if they fuck that film up for me tomorrow. <laughs> so tune in next time. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's <laughs> the police department. Sorry. Come on, Dave. And motherfucking E. Oh my god. That's bringing it. Sorry, I've got to shut it off. <laughs> Let's bring you back some memories. Oh yeah. my fuck god! <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck the police! Because it's amazing. Think that uh, back then there was like body count as well. You know, body oh, count. Yeah, oh, body yeah. now. Yeah, oh, now you're talking my kind of music. Body and count. around that time, you know, you kind of like got all that sort of stuff. You know, the sort of parental guidance and all that. You know, and then they got the CB4. Yeah, have you guys seen that? Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could do the whole straight out of low cash song for you right oh. now if you wanted. To. <laughs> I worship that film. Yeah, then that's uh, but there you go. We've been yeah. I'm gonna yeah. shut up. <laughs> next, next episode, hear all about me fucking somebody in the head during the screening. Of yes, it will all it will all be there. Um, we will bring into like video games and television that we should have talked about tonight. <laughs> but we got so involved in movies for you. Hopefully, well, I'm, well, not hopefully. We definitely, we've given um, listeners once again so many great recommendations, you know, of movies to watch, haven't we? Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Ne next next time I got music and all sorts to sh tell them what the fuck I wrote half this shit down for, you fucking <laughs> on, motherfuckers. Talking talk. We talked, we talked too much. We talked too much. Yeah, we talked too much. Anyway, let's let's wrap this up. Um, so, as usual, Ramrod, um, how can people um, follow you online? Well, uh, you can follow me via my new Twitter account because somebody's fucked with my last one again. This is my third one and my final Twitter. <laughs> Honest to God, I'm sick to damn death of it. Right, follow Ramrod's underscore purge, like the purge. Like Purge Anarchy with Frank Grillo, who is yes. my hero. Ramrod's Purge. Um, and Ramrod's uh, Ghost on Instagram. Yes. Chris, how about you, mate? I'm Dastardly Jabby on Twitter. Right. And that's it for this show. We, it's been a long one. Ooh, uh, mm. Yes. Mm. I like a long one. We We do know that, mate. <laughs> we do know that. You've made that quite clear. We've uh, been very well behaved tonight, though. We have, yeah. Yeah. Is that a good thing? No. So. 
<laughs> no whole houses. No, you know. Oh yeah, it was the whole house last time. Fuck yeah, it was Sheffield. You know, we we've still not had that trip to uh, Sheffield, have we? To uh, the massage parlour. Well, I don't know about you two, but I. Uh, oh, I had a day... you kept that quiet. You've had a secret trip, have you? I had a day off. I did a bit of recon. Nice. Did you have a, a cup of tea there? I'm not saying nothing. <laughs> maybe on the, maybe on not the movie episode. Maybe on the general entertainment episode. Oh yeah, you'll spill the beans. Hang on. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we shall all say goodbye. So, say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. The end of another show, which means I can give you all the ways of uh, how you can find and follow us online. You can start, of course, by going to 60minuteswith.co.uk. That's our website there. We've got loads of reviews up on there. All the podcasts are on there too. Uh, if you visit there, you can send us an email. All you have to do is fill in the Contact Us form. Or if you'd rather email us direct, you can email us at contact at 60minuteswith.co.uk. We're on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash 60minuteswith. And we're on Twitter at 60 minutes with as always that's the numerical 60 and not the alphabetical we're also on instagram have a look there um, just again search for 60 minutes with we put videos and photographs up all four of us contribute to that so there's lots of interesting things going up on there uh, again itunes reviews or if you listen to us on stitcher radio uh, reviews on there would be most welcome and thank you if you've already done one i'll have a look and uh, read the names out in the next episodes if you do uh, until then though Whoever you are, wherever you are, thank you for listening. Stay subscribed and we'll be back soon. great i love that because we just talked about everything that we all think is mint yeah we should just have a big shag and get it all <laughs> we should should we have an episode that's just called the shag episode and, we, <laughs> and we'll just set up like my blue yeti microphone in the middle of the room the next mm. time chris comes up and we'll just like rut each other Oof. and that will be it what Sounds we should good. do is record something where we just do shots and we should play a game for five minutes where we do a fuck ton of shots and then do a show and just see the state that comes out the oh other end. Oh, my God. Because it'd be fucking obscene. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm literally, I'm not joking, I'm a little bit unnerved because you mentioned it follows. I really don't want to walk home.